RadioInfluence.com. They're blasting out truth all over the airwaves is the topic we'll get into in this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. In regard to joining us, my guests are conservative political talk show hosts who tell it like it is. In James Bostick, host of A Conservative Perspective, Joe Mobley, host of The Joe Mobley Show, Jerry Serino, hopes of the Fetus podcast, Kathy Hatch, host of Kathy's Right, Kevin White, host of the American Allegiance radio show, and Mark Hoffman, who hosts the Patriot Nation Radio Live. This podcast is available on RadioInfluence.com or your favorite podcast platform. A great way to show your support is by subscribing to this podcast, give it a rating, and leave a review. And be sure to tell your friends about the broadcast. So let me ask you a question. Where do you get your news from nowadays? Do you get it from television media outlets? Even those considered to be conservative outlets. I seldom do. The best I can muster in this regard is to have the television on, but the sound off. If I see something worth hearing, I turn up the sound. Doesn't happen too often. Sadly, this is where we are, America. In the riveting book, The Naked Communist, written way, way back in 1958, among the communist goals, author W. Cleon Skousen stated were, quote, number 18, gain control of all student newspapers. Number 20, infiltrate the press, get control of book review assignments, editorial writing, policymaking positions. Number 21, gain control of key positions in radio, television, and motion pictures. Done, done, and done. This is the primary reason why we are where we are, folks. The Marxists run the media for the most part. That's the bad news. The good news is for every action, there is an opportunity for a reaction. And in this case, the manipulation of the media by the Marxists has led to the meteoric rise of truth purveyors all over the internet. Conservative political talk show hosts such as myself and the guests you're about to hear won't get the numbers of listeners the major media news organizations do. But our followings are faithful and growing. Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, when he was a guest on this podcast, episode number four, if you missed it and desire to check it out, lauded this new media the rise of conservative truth-tellers springing up all over the internet, a much-needed entity in these days and times. Someone has to bring it, the truth, that is. Why not us? So let's get into it. Well, we're going to get this show off with a big bang, and uh, James Bostick had to be on the show, and he had to be my first guest. Because if it wasn't for James Bostick, host of A Conservative Perspective, I wouldn't be on this radio network. I wouldn't be doing anything of my own. And I'll never forget when I met Bostick. Uh, I had a little gig on Rocky and the Wolfman. It was a radio show, 
and on the internet and I had gone down to rock the red and they said, you know, we were going to do some live remotes because that show was live on uh, Friday evening. And James Bostick, who I knew from his show, we had never met, but I knew he was coming to rock the red driving down from West Virginia and I was going to put him on as a guest, but he never arrived. So, I put on Gene Ho, I think. I had put on John DeLemme, and Claire Lopez is now in my suite live on the radio. This is live radio, people. And I hear a knock on my door, and on my door there's a sign. Sign says, we're recording, please no noise. And Claire is answering a question. I go open the door, and there's this big, tall guy, and he goes, house detective, and he walks in. And I'm like, oh, gosh, are they going to shut this show down on live radio? I'm saying, house detective, can he read the sign? And then he goes, James Bostick, conservative perspective. That was my introduction to James Bostick. So now I introduce you to James Bostick, the person I call affectionately the big boss man. James Bostick, host of a conservative perspective. James, miss you. How have you been? Well, Gary, I am much better now that I've had a chance to talk with you. I've missed you too. I'm doing well. You know, I'm in the, uh, I'm in the school business. Uh, my daytime gig is, is in the school business and I work with a, a, a remarkable group of kids and <clears throat> I work in the high school that I graduated from. And so I've kind of got that whole welcome back Cotter thing going for me. And the kids that I work with rather than your usual emo disaffected, uh, hormonally ravaged teenage kid, they still have a very childlike enthusiasm for the Christmas season. And um, it, oh, they've been wearing me out, man. I'm just, really? <laughs> I have done more kitchen. I have done more foam kitchen uh, refrigerator magnets and ornament projects with glittery pipe cleaner in the last two weeks. And I have seen in a while, but I'll tell you, it's fun because their enthusiasm can be contagious and everybody's having fun. Everybody's laughing. So yeah, it's a lot of energy this time of year dealing with those guys, but I wouldn't trade it for a thing. Not a thing. Well, the good news about that, that means for most of your day, you don't have to think about all this craziness that's going on in the nation that you talk about every Monday night and sometimes every Tuesday, excuse me, and sometimes on Thursday. So tell the people about your show and what the focus is. And, you know, I listen in and uh, you've had some guests like uh, Claire Lopez has been on there. Uh, Judge on this Thursday, right. right. You know, uh, uh, Mike Cutler, you, you know, tell people what you do. Well, the name of the program is A Conservative Perspective, and it, it started it started the, the Thanksgiving immediately following Barack Obama's uh, re-election to office. It was an idea that I had had and had nursed, really, for three or four years uh, in the back of my mind, thinking about it. Could I do it? Should I do it? What's it going to, you know, and all these, all these different uh, really imponderables because when it comes down to it, if you, you want to, you figure out how a way and, and you do it. And that's, and that's what I did. I had something, I felt that I had something to say and I felt that the things that I was saying and thinking were not unique, that there wasn't anything really special about them, that there were probably, if truth be known, a lot more people who saw things from this pardon, you know, a con this conservatives perspective 
And so I, I did it, you know, and, and, and nowadays with the technology, as you well know, it's so easy. It's so yeah. cheap. Yeah. Uh, a decent USB microphone for under a hundred dollars. There are platforms that'll put you on for free. Uh, there's editing software that you can get out there for free and you can learn the mechanics of how to produce a radio show as well as actually being the guy that's there behind the mic. And it started out as a 30 minute program and from November to February of 2008, moving into 2009, I mean, excuse me, uh, 2000, 2012, moving to 2013, I, I'm sorry. Um, it was a half-hour program that I put out on Podomatic all by myself. I did everything, and I got an email one day from a fellow named Primo Mondoni. And Primo ran a thing called Red State Talk Radio. I started there, and then I moved on uh, after a few years there, and I met Don Newen, Donna Fiducia, and uh, Ron Phillips as they were starting the the fledgling Mojo Five O Radio. Five O, right? I got involved with that, and so Sundays at four p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the the show, Conservative Perspective, in its hour long recorded format, is on there, and we are on twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time, through Patriot Radio on BlogTalkRadio.com. And at some point, I'm getting everything together. I, I've been fighting it long enough, but at some point, there's going to be a video component to one of those incarnations of the program. We're going to start doing some video as well as as the podcasting. There you go. Well, and I've listened to the show and and was always there to, you know, trying over the last uh, year or so prior to recently to. Uh, just making sure from my vantage point, since you can't see everything, and I know you don't have a staff, that uh, things were working smoothly. Now, you open a lot of times by saying that people should listen because it's the very best in libertarian and conservative talk radio. Tell them what you talk about and what you're blasting out over the airwaves. Well, you know, Gary, like I said, um, <clears throat> excuse me. There were a lot of things. I felt that we needed a massive course correction after the first eight years of Barack Obama. And when I saw that he sailed into re-election so easily, it, it resonated negatively with me. It really did. And there's a lot of things that we talk about. I mean, uh, we're, one, we're not going to compare apples to oranges, but we are going to look at all the fruit in the basket. And there's nothing wrong with looking at all the fruit in the basket. And if something is no good, what do we do? Well, we need to throw it out because that rot will spread. As you know, the old saw, one bad apple. And there's a lot of bad apples in Washington, D.C. There are a lot of bad actors on both sides. And <clears throat> case in point, Michael Cutler, registered Democrat, lifelong Democrat. Although he hasn't voted for one in years, that's his affiliation. And that's who he's chosen to remain with right now. I've been a Republican ever since I started voting, but at the same time, Mike Cutler, the Democrat from New York, and James Bostick, the Republican here in the mountain state of West Virginia, have very similar conservative ideas on a lot of different things. As you know, Gary, in today's media, especially within the last 10 to 12 years, the term conservative is, is very much a pejorative. Uh, on on the on the side of the, of the Marxist and the, and the progressive left, 
it's it's not a description of, well i guess it is a description but it's it's more of an epithet it's more of a negative connotation and there's nothing positive about it which is totally untrue because if the truth were known to more and more people as it appears is happening folks can see clearly that the establishment media is doing what it does for the democrats as it always has done but yep. with the advent Thank God for Al Gore inventing the internet. I bet he never realized it was going to be used like this. The programs like yourself, like El Guapo, like mine, like Don Nguyen and Donna Fiducia, like Rocky Stucci and Ron Phillips, like Brad Staggs and all the terrific hosts over at uh, Mojo Five O, Kevin Kevin White. You know all these great shows where yeah they're they're smaller listenerships, but they're growing. And they're growing because of this dissatisfaction, this disenchantment, finally, from people who see CNN, <clears throat> pardon me, who see CNN for what they are, who see PBS and National Public Radio and ABC and CBS and, and MSNBC for the things. And, and even nowadays, believe it or not, in a lot of ways, Fox. But they mm -hmm. see the establishment media, this mainstream group that's basically shoulder to shoulder fundamentally lockstep you can hear the same talking points when you flip from channel to channel to channel there is a narrative that they are looking to maintain and and as you've seen so far look at look at the cuomo brothers as as uh mike talked about last night there's no depth that they won't sink to to cement that uh, that narrative in place i know what you mean and james uh, i'd want to mention because people are probably scratching their said he said el guapo who is el oh, guapo no we'll so tell him el guapo that's fine el guapo is mark hoffman uh host of a, a patriot nation radio live he will be on later in the show uh, but that's who el guapo is and uh th this is all part of people just blasting this out people just taking the bull by the horns that you would say and deciding to get involved to just starting and starting your own thing and seeing where it will end up. As you know, my passion is to explain to people about Marxism, about the, all the progressivisms, Marxism, communism, socialism, all exactly. the, is there uh, a staple or something that you hang your hat on that, that your number one interest? Um, if, if there were, and I would say that it's going to run into the national political scene, but really, you know, all politics is local. And if you want to affect a change on a national level, you got to root out these things in the local level. But I would say the biggest question that I ask, or at least I try to, <clears throat> what does the constitution say? Mm -hmm. And, and, and as you know, Gary, we are a constitutional Republic. It is that constitution and that document, perhaps since the time of the Magna Carta, the United States Constitution, even with its flaws, and there are some, is still the most closely perfected document for self-government, uniquely for Americans because it was designed by Americans. It was written by Americans. It was thought out <clears throat> by American interpre interpretations of the various influences of political uh, uh, thought at that time. But what does the Constitution say? And that's where we need to look, because the Constitution is that last place in this country where, as George Washington said, the wise and the honest can repair to. And if it doesn't go with the Constitution, well, then we got to 
we have to find another way of doing things or we have to abandon what we thought was a good idea or find another way to do it within constitutional parameters. What does the Constitution say on the Second Amendment, Gary? Just for, just ex- let's talk about that. What does the Constitution say on the Second Amendment? Well, we have the right. We have the right as private citizens to own guns, to own guns for our protection against tyrannical government. Exactly. Now, when when you said that, I understood completely what you meant. And and, and your listeners, no doubt, will as well. It didn't say that we had the right to own everything except semi-automatic weapons. It didn't say that we had the right to own everything except semi-automatic pistols with limitations on how many rounds of ammunition the magazine can hold didn't say it said the right to bear arms shall not be infringed shall not be infringed that means gary if you have a mind to you can walk out and you can go to any sporting goods store or reputable dealer and you can purchase whatever gun you want for the protection of your family if you're a sportsman for whatever comes in those categories you can, and there's nothing to stop that. But you have seen what they have done in in the 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 unelected bureaucrats and the regulations that kind of like kudzu creep through the Constitution and kind of tangle everything up. When it's very clear what they meant, the right to bear arms shall right. not be infringed upon. Nothing more. And they Same understood. The they understood because they understood from where they came and without. You know, there's no representation unless you can represent yourself. And the problem is when government becomes tyrannical, they will now be able to control you by force and just look around the world. Look at Mao, look at Stalin, look at Lenin. We could go all around. Look at Hugo Chavez, look at the Castro brothers. We can go all around, 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 around. The first thing they had to do was get rid of the guns. So when they decide to put down the strong hand of communism, they have military style weapons and you have a peace shooter. So, yeah, this is what is that. James, I got a question to ask you about uh, what is going on now. How do you see where we are now and what do you see coming down the line? See, I, I really think the tide is turning. I really think, unfortunately, we had to uh, get our nose get the stench of communism up our nostrils a little bit before a whole bunch of people who are sleeping on this, the useful idiots, as they're known by Lenin and Stalin, woke up. What do you think? I remember, and this is this is no lie, I remember how disappointed, well, dis- discouraged, how discouraged I was when Barack Obama won his second term. And I remember- I couldn't believe it. I, I, thought, I, people, I thought people yeah. had seen enough. You haven't seen enough? No, clearly. I mean, and and I held my nose and I voted for John McCain. And I'm here. And at the and and I and I and I go back and I think about November a year ago, and just in those few months before the election, in the run up to the election, with all the dystopian tragedy that's been taking place within within our society, last summer before last year, before the election, summer before the election, Gary. The, the Marxist left did their damnedest to try and literally burn this country to the ground. There you go. And they came and they and they came really close. Right. And then they want to blame us and say, hey, vote for us so we can come in and correct this. And they're the ones that lit the match. And fix all this. Exactly. And and uh, it astonished me. And I, I this time, my disappointment and discouragement was easily outpaced. And you asked about what I, you know, 
based on what we have seen, what I, I may foresee for the future. I, you know what? I really don't know. I, I do see more things. Because things are so bad. Uh, I, I do see things, though, that give me heart, that give me encouragement. What happened in Loudoun County, Virginia, is a yes. good example, and, and how that reverberated throughout the entire Old Dominion. And look at what it did. Mm-hmm. Moms and dads did that. And it led to getting that governor out of there. Exactly. An informed electorate and, and a motivated and energized electorate did that. Because I guarantee you, Gary, even though you know it, it, things are really kind of tribal right now, right and left, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, there were a lot of Democrats who saw what was going on in these school systems, and they said, whoa, 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 whoa. Republicans didn't do this by themselves. But like-minded conservative people, and they can be Democrats. They can be Republicans, okay? They can. They really can. They did this. Conservative-thinking people brought this to the forefront and, you know, effected a regime change, thank God, in Virginia. It can happen throughout the country. And there are places where in the midterm elections, if you want to go back and Google some of them, there were a lot of positive, bright spots. And, and we see it in the – and also I think we see it in terms of decisions that the predominance of Trump-appointed judges are making on key – legal cases here that you know are going to affect the future of the country the future of the of the citizenry this is absolutely true and uh they stole the election eventually it's going to come out eventually people are going to end up in jail it may take a while as you know from my point of view god's got a hammer he's going to drop it he's letting them go and so people can see what's going on and the country is, is starting to change a lot of even a lot of democrats are starting to understand I didn't sign up for this. And they're starting to realize how radical these people are. And I really, really believe in not too distant future, this thing is really, they're going to just go off the cliff. And I know I've been saying this for three years. Well, no, I, yeah, think, I agree. I think they're I getting agree. closer and closer and they're getting, they're getting there. James, I agree go ahead. Yeah. So what I was going to say was, and, and I know you, I know we're pressed for time, but as you and I have talked over the last, let's just take the last four years and maybe the last two years of the Obama president, the last six years, every scandal, every terrible thing that's happened where ultimately the surmise has been, well, this is just some skullduggery, this is just some chicanery on the parts of the left, has always come to fruition and it's always been found out to be that way. And you're absolutely right. It's going to take a few more years they're just now getting to indictments in the Russia hoax. I'm not exactly sure what is going to happen there, but you know, that was something that's, that was at the beginning. That was four years ago. And they're just now starting to see indictments or starting to see grand juries convened. And it's going to be this same way with all these things, but everything that has happened like that, the, the Russia hoax, Hillary Clinton and Benghazi, uh, what they did with Roger Stone, anything, these, these, these acts, of a tyrannical government that we've seen have always come to lay where we thought they would lay. And, and it's just that I suppose our suppositions and our surmises and our estimations and all that, and you know, all that speculative, it's only when we see the evidence that our speculations are confirmed, but, but that's how it's played out for the last six to eight years. And I think it's just going to continue to go that way. My fear is nobody sees. I, you're more optimistic than I am when saying there's going to be jail time. I hope so. 
but the people who need it, I fear, won't get it. Well, that there are two things that will be determined. But also, I think the time frame, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised how quickly this is going to happen because it's going to be a sudden explosion. And when it explodes, it's going to explode all over the place. And it's just like uh, like a lot of people when people are afraid, they're silent. And and I think, you know, it's almost going to be like on the crime shows where they put a, a few people that are involved in a the crime. They put them in separate uh, rooms and whoever whoever turns state's evidence first gets the deal. You're going to be seeing some people squeal like grease pigs. And I'm telling you, that is coming. I predict sooner than later. Now, now, before you go, big boss man, there's some people saying, OK, I like this guy, but, you know, Benford was talking about how he wouldn't be on the radio if it wasn't for you. So uh, we, we met two years ago at Rock the Red in Greenville, right. and then we went Absolutely. back in Greenville. Uh, and uh, over that, you know, after the first year, when we were down there the first year, uh, I'm sitting with James uh, at the Saturday night gala dinner, full yeah. auditorium. And Doug Collins uh, from Georgia, the congressman from Georgia, is speaking. He's the keynote speaker that night. And uh, I guess if you want to people that want to know who created this monster here and started this mess and <laughs> whose fault it is. If you got a problem with me, blame it on Bostic because it's his fault. He's going to tell you why. Well, that is a great story, man. We had a good time there. Um the the thing of it was, Gary, and you and I had talked because you had had a guest spot on my show. You'd done that. You had done some things with with Raquel, okay, and you had a, a segment with her, and you would come on with me. And to me, it was it was a no brainer. You've got the chops. You have the instincts. And so we're eating dinner, and I looked over at you and I said, Gary, you know, you could do your own radio show. You need to have a program of your own. And my reaction was what? You looked at me as if I had lobsters coming out of my ears. Yeah. And I know, and, and, but, and I, I just, I, it was just something, it was, there are very few times, I, I can just about count all of them really, where my instincts have been right on the beam. And, you know, you, you know that you know that you know. And that was one of those instances because having talked to you and having known you, uh, you know, as our, our friendship grew over that period of time by working together and you coming on the show and us and just talking about things I, I, I knew. And plus, you know, your background as a journalist, uh, your background in the music industry, uh, when you were with the Delphonics there and, and, uh, Dwayne Kerr, who I manage, right. Exactly. Also, the, the funky yeah. flowers, right? right. You know, you yeah. know how to handle, you know how to handle listers, you know how to handle names. You, you have that, you have that experience. You have that instinct. Like I said, to me, it was it, this podcasting and Gary Benford is a match made in him. Well, I thank you for those kind words and for your insight. And th the story went nowhere when he told me because I told him, I like what I'm doing. I got a 15 minute or a half hour spot on somebody else's show. I don't have to do anything but show up, do my 15 minutes. Thank you and good night. I don't have to worry about ratings. I don't have to worry about phone calls. I don't have to worry about, you know, creating anything, creating my own show, creating a brand. None of that stuff. And the good thing was James never brought it up again. And six or seven months later, times had changed. Things had changed. My perspective changed. 
And when I decided to do this, uh, James came on and worked the board for me for the whole year of that, the Patriot Nation Radio Network. And he'd worked the board and not only the board, but all the guests. And he'd have the guests on one guest on live because it was a two hour live show. And then he'd be in the green room talking to somebody else, whoever it was, he'd be telling them. And and I had no idea what you did until you told me one day that you how you did it. And you'd be saying, well, Mr. Bridford will be with you in three or five minutes. Is there anything I can help you with and this, that, and the other thing? And then any problems that were going on on the air, which happens on live radio all the time, no. you know, you, you, you know, <laughs> I remember the day I remember the day when General Flynn was coming on because we had met him down there this time. And you were so excited. Everybody was so excited. Mark Hoffman, who's coming yeah. on later, who owns the yeah. network. And Tracy Beans is on. Uh, uh, Flynn, Flynn didn't come on. She, we're, we couldn't find it. Where's in? And everybody is going nuts. And I brought Tracy came on early. And right. Mark Hoffman saying, I'm going to die tonight, right? You know, it's like, where's the general, right? And well, the and phone I was number calling we had didn't up. work for him. I'm doing a tap dance and, and it's live radio. And then all of a sudden, you know, he beamed in there and he was supposed to give us 20 minutes and he did almost 50. So, yeah, you know, as you say, it's all, it's all good. So, so, James, I really thank you for all for helping to get me started. And I've never probably never told you this live on the radio, but I learned a lot about live radio from listening to you and the things you've told me because I never did radio before. I was always the guest. Like was it when I was in sports or music, I was always the guest. I was right. never the one doing the guesting. So you saw something in me that I didn't know I had, and I love what I do. It's a hobby, but it's a great hobby. And I really appreciate uh, you know everything you've done to help further my career. And uh, the best of everything to you in what you do. Please tell people where to find you and where to find your show and anything else you'd like to promote. All right. Well, it is a conservative perspective. It is on Tuesdays and Thursdays at blogtalkradio.com. Type in Patriot Nation Radio and you'll see the lineup of our shows. And that is, of course, Patriot Nation Radio Live uh, the United Allegiance program, the American Allegiance program with Kevin White, who has turned out to be quite a radio man in his own right, um, and, and a conservative's perspective. ACP is on Tuesdays, Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, two hours on Tuesday nights, one hour uh, on Thursdays, because I'm back-to-back with my original wingman, the handsome one himself, El Guapo, and that's Mark Hoffman, who's coming up right after me here, uh, on Patriot Nation Radio Live Thursdays at 8 p.m. The recorded right. version of the program, the recorded version of the program is on the Mojo 5.0 radio network, and that's Sundays, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Gary, I couldn't be happier for you. I couldn't be prouder of, of the good work that you're doing and what an impact you've made in, in a remarkably short time. So I'm going to get off of here. I know you're pressed for time. God bless you, my brother. I love you so much. Can't wait to see you in January. You and yours, a very Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll same be to you, same to you, do. your mother, your family, and everybody. And Kevin White will be on. He's coming on this show, too. So we got Kevin White and El Guapo coming up behind you in time. So once again, thank you very much. And Lord willing, I'm looking forward to seeing you at Rock the Red in January. Everybody, the big boss man, Mr. James Bostic, host of A Conservative Perspective. Thank you, Gary. Thank you very much. Take care.
You know, sometimes you're going to run into people and friends that are going to tell you you just have to see something. You just have to see or do something or become involved with something. I remember back in the day when uh, a player told me, you got to see this Michael Jordan. His name was Sidney Green. He was uh, on the Bulls. Jordan was a rookie. He said, you got to see him. He's going to be the greatest of all time, if not close, better than Julius Irving. He said, you got to follow this guy's career. I remember last year when this show was live, Wendy Strach Mahoney, who was coming on to do critical race theory, said, you got to get Joe Mobley on the show. And she didn't just say it. She emailed me and then she wrote again and then she wrote again and then she in a nice way threatened me and then not real threat, but she was just so much into what Joe was doing in Virginia along the lines of critical race theory and what was going on in the schools. She had been, I think I'd interviewed him. And she said, you got to get Joe on the show. Well, I had Joe on the show and boy, Joe, Joe is the real deal. So we're going to do it again. He is the self-proclaimed uncloseted conservative. A United States Army veteran with exceptionally diverse experience that includes time in military and law enforcement, church staff, worship ministry leader, and as a professional musician. He currently consults one of the world's largest and most influential firms. But most of all, for this show, he's the host of the Joe Mobley Show podcast, whose aim is to give conservatives in hiding the confidence, the empowering to come out of the closet and face the day. And he actually pulled me out of the closet because he's had me on the show a couple of times, and I thank him for that. I welcome back to this show, Mr. Joe Mobley. How are you, Joe? <laughs> Thanks, Gary. I'm doing well. Laughing, laughing at that, uh, recounting that bit of history with Wendy. Well, my, you know how uh, Wendy is. <laughs> my free certain. agent. Right. See, and I, yeah, dude, she should be your, you know. And the, the interesting thing was, I had already, it, it just took the first time. So I just let her go because it was fun. You see, how far was she going to go? Keep saying, did you get Joe? Did you get Joe? And I'm going, well, I tried, but Joe, uh, you know, he didn't read my email. Well, wait a minute, you got to get Joe. Joe, she was right. Sydney Green was right about Michael Jordan. She was right about you. So tell people who you are and what you do. Well, you know, um, you guys will, your December audience here will get the inside scoop. I, I am Joe Mobley. I am uh, an out of the closet conservative. Sometimes I say black conservative because, uh, you know, on podcasts, People don't really. I think people assume, Gary, that you and I are a couple of old white dudes. Uh, I'm a young black dude. Uh, it's a true story. Google it. Look it up. Uh, but, uh, That's for sure. Yeah. And, you know, this is that exclusive. I'm actually leaving the firm. Uh, I, I, I just took a job. I'm going to start announcing it soon. Uh, but I'm actually moving uh, to be. Uh, the director of account management for HSP Direct out of uh, Northern Virginia. Um, and honestly, a big part of this move was, again, coming out of the, the closet in a way. It's an overtly conservative company with conservative clients. Uh, the, the biggest names in conservative media or or politics. Um, uh, so I, Congratulations. I, I just can't. I can't 
ask people to do things that I'm not willing to do myself. It's a basic tenet of being a soldier, being a warrior. And, and uh, though I don't wear the uniform anymore, I, I do carry those commitments with me. Um, and, and, you know, just b between us and your <laughs> thousands of listeners, I did intend to stay in the military. My, uh, my body gave out, so I only got to do 11 years. Um, and I, I just see the Lord's hand in it all uh, I, I see Isaiah 61, 1, uh, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me uh -huh. to proclaim uh, freedom for the captives and to bring people out of darkness. And um, obviously that was very applicable when I was fighting human trafficking. Uh, but now in this culture war, this this culture war and everything that's going on from CRT to socialism to Marxist takeovers uh, to mandates, which should seem foreign and and just the the feeling mandate should feel icky to an American. It should make your skin crawl, your blood boil. Um, it's it's God's spirit in me and part of his will for my life uh, is to fight. Uh, and we're, we're trying to do this thing as peacefully as possible. Uh, we say things on online, on social media, um, me going out and giving a speech and people not liking me for it, I will take that trade all day to avoid true conflict in this country. Uh, so that's who I am, that's what I do, and, and really why I do it. Um, and I can't thank you enough for having me on again, Gary. It's always a blast getting to speak with you. Uh, thank you very much for those kind words. And when you have the hand of the Lord, you will not fail and you have his protection. This is very important. See, because there, you brought up a very a, a good point, Joe. There are two wars going on. There's a war going on in the heavenlies. There's the spiritual war between good and evil. Okay, so that's the war that we have to try and, as followers of Jesus Christ, bring home the lost sheep. But then there's the secular war, which comes between the war between good and evil here to try and keep this country constitutional. We're not a democracy. If we were a democracy, one more Democrat, they could win an election and, to, and throw out the Constitution. We're a constitutional republic. And that Constitution must and shall stand. And any you want to know the enemies of the United States, the enemy of the United States or anybody that wants to overthrow that Constitution and bring Marxism, socialism and eventually communism into this country. So you have gotten into this fight. But you were in it as a soldier. How did you get into it as a podcast host with many, many listeners and uh, and 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 great guests? You know what, Gary? Uh, I don't think you know the story. Um, hmm. I may I, I haven't said it on my show. I may have said it on someone else's. I don't know. This, this might be the first, but hold on, hold on. Uh, you're not going to tell me Wendy got you into podcasting, <laughs> too. She says, no, you got to be a podcast host. So. I, I'm a lifetime of service type individual. Uh, my my spiritual gift for giving uh, is it for you know sending is gift giving. Uh, it's it's important to me. It's how I communicate love out into the world. Um, and the way that, that manifests professionally has always been service, service of others, um, some type of selfless service. Uh, it, it's been quite the journey for my family because obviously my my obligations are first to God and then to my wife and then my family, my kids. Um, but outside of that, I've I've always been the person who just pours out, and it it's kind of manifest in this reputation. When I was in the army, you know, we have battle buddies. You're your best army friend, and my battle buddy and and the squad that I led, um, and the squads that I led over my career, uh, they they 
They coined me the Ice Man. They said that I had ice in my veins. You know, Sergeant Mobley, there's nothing. Some of my soldiers said that they could never recount seeing me afraid. Um, of course, I've been afraid. You know, I've, mm -hmm. I've done all kinds of training. I've sustained all kinds of injuries. I've been stabbed. I've been afraid a lot. Uh, but I know that I'm protected. Uh, I, I know what what happens to my soul after this life. Um, so I've always kind of gone at things head first. So fast forward, I'm out of the army. I'm in consulting at that, you know, a kind of a prestigious firm. Um, at my career level on my team, uh, I, I, I make supervisor ahead of schedule, which I, I knew that I was going to. I, I'm very highly compensated. Uh, you know, my colleagues and my team, they respect me, but we're also friends. They, we enjoy each other's company. This is after the George Floyd shooting, I find myself in a meeting and I realize, you know, there are a hundred people on the, you know, this company is impossibly diverse, almost half men, half women, every color and sexuality and whatever of the rainbow, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's just the culture of the company. It is very diverse and in a true meaningful way. And they don't even have to try all of these schemes. Um, unfortunately, they are wrapped up in the passions of the day. Uh, but I realize on this day, at this time, I'm the only black male, uh, not brown, not an Indian American or uh, Pacific Islander. Um, I'm the only black man on the call. There's some black women, there were some, uh, some mixed people. And I, as soon as I realized it, I knew someone was going to ask me how I felt, what my thoughts were, if there's anything I wanted to get off my chest, I knew it. And as sure as the sun will rise, uh, a senior leader of the team and the company gave the floor to me. And in that moment, I was gripped with fear because I knew the truth. The truth is this country is the least racist country in the history of the world. We do not have go. systems of oppression. Um, if you could point out a single system of oppression, I would march with you, whether you were white, black, yellow, red, whatever. Um, not to forget that tens of millions of white people fought in the civil rights movement. You know, you, you couldn't you couldn't move the needle uh, with the minority alone. But I digress. I realized in that moment, I'm a guy I've kicked in doors, I've faced enemies head on, human traffic, whatever the situation, I'm there. And I was gripped with fear to just speak truth to my colleagues. Uh, and so, of course, I had to do it. I, I, I realized that I was afraid. I took a deep breath and I said the whole thing, you know. The truth is, if this man wasn't a career criminal committing yet another felony, right. multiple yeah. felonies at once, then this encounter would have never happened. We're talking about victim blaming. We're blaming the good guys for everything that transpired because of the actions of the bad guy. Uh, and I sucked the oxygen out of the room. You know, yep. I might, it's almost <laughs> as if I had donned a MAGA hat in the middle of a, a business meeting. Um, anyway. After that, I was speaking with my wife and I said, the re the what happened to me was meant to happen. I was meant to feel that fear to realize if someone like me felt such intense fear, then the majority of people who are far less courageous, if we're just going to call a spade a spade, the, the average person is less fortuitous than I am. Uh, so if I was gripped with fear, 
I, I had the thought <laughs> that most people probably are. And that, that weighed on me and the way that I could help was to start a podcast, didn't know what it was going to look like. Um, all about coming out of the conservative closet. That just means being willing to share your thoughts, opinions, or beliefs, no matter the situation or the consequence. Um, so that's that's how we got started. That's how I met Wendy. That's how I suddenly become a political activist somehow. Uh, but yeah, it all started in that meeting after George yeah, Floyd. I hadn't heard that one. You know, and and you 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 said so much truth because most of these people who end up on a slab. They were involved not as a career criminal per se of previous criminal activity, but like Michael Brown. We all saw him rob the convenience store on on. And then now he's walking down the middle of the street. What do you expect? But the cops are going to stop you. I mean, you know, the, the stuff is nuts. So let's fast forward to critical race theory trying to hit your part of Virginia. And next thing we know. Here's Joe Mobley standing up, taking on the school board. I got a question. Did the fear grip you that time or were you now a veteran where that was a piece of cake to just stand up and say what you needed to say? Uh, the I wasn't gripped with fear at all. And I'll tell you the the nexus there, the critical difference was the one was purely cultural, uh, crime and punishment. Maybe you could get into theological conversations about justice, um, about use of force, whatever. There's a lot going on in, in, in the law enforcement situation and then in, in the Chauvin trial and with George Floyd. Um, with CRT and with these Marxist regimes, if we wanted to get into transhumanism, transgenderism, all of these things, you could pick any one of them. Mm -hmm. um, zero fear there, and here's why. Those issues are affronts to the truth. And um, God is love, and everyone knows that verse. But if you really study the word, um, particularly focus your attentions to etymology between Genesis and Proverbs, um, God is also wisdom. Um, you, you see... Um, God personified in the book of Proverbs as, as that wisdom. Um, God is also the truth. There is no untruth in God. And these things are an affront to truth to say that all whites are bad, all blacks are inherently good or victimized or whatever, um, to say that a boy could become something other than boy or a girl could become something other than girl. Uh, and to teach children this is, is challenging the truth of God. And it's a perversion. Um, you know, Satan means, oh, not rebuker. Oh, what's the word? Um, to accuse someone of something. The, the accuser. Well, he's the accuser. He's the accuser. What he's going to do is accuse the elect of of being mm -hmm. of being sinful, which we are. We're we're just saved by the, the imputed righteousness of Jesus on the cross, covered by the blood. But we still have a sin nature. Satan is always going to point his finger. You see, you see, you see. And, and God will say, yeah, but you see, my son paid for those sins for the people who believe. See, so Satan will always accuse. The other mm -hmm. thing. Along the lines of what you're saying is you said a lot of things that God is. He's everything you said. But there's one more thing that a lot of people either don't want to say he is or don't know. And that's he's a God of justice and a God of law and justice. See, and that justice is going to come back. And that justice will come back on this United States if we were to allow this 
to take over and cause us to lose our constitution. Because once we lose our constitution, and if they're able to put in whatever they are able to put in, socialism, communism, that becomes the way of the day, we'd be like no other country, and pe- like, like we'd be like other countries, and people are saying, where's God, where's God? Well, you booted them out, you booted them out of the schools, you booted them out of the workplace, you booted them out of the government. Uh, you have don't know how many times, Joe, people have asked me back in the day, about 15, 20 years ago, when all these kids were starting to have trouble getting shot in school or couldn't stay in school or couldn't get home from school, they said, where's God? I said, you took them out of the schools. Mm-hmm. No protection. You know what, Gary, you couldn't make this stuff up. Just piggybacking off of what you said is exactly right. And that's why uh, people like you and I and everyone that God has, has we've felt that spirit on our back pushing us, leading us. Right now, today, in this season of life, my church, we're studying Titus. Tiny little book, you can mm-hmm. miss it. Uh, just a few. And you know what? The What it all comes down to is Titus was sent to the island of Crete. Titus is sent to a place and time where the truth is no longer true. Right. And Paul's when you box. read that book, man, it feels like it feels like you or I could have been writing it about here and now. Um, so well, now the, the, the fear is gone. Yeah, that's what we're fighting. So tell the people what you got involved with in Virginia that got you on OAN and Fox News and all the major networks, because they don't usually put conservative guys on the networks anymore, especially conservative <laughs> black guys, even on the so-called conservative networks. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it used to be an army of moms here in Virginia, and that that was kind of stoked by Ian Pryor, the executive director of Fight for Schools, uh, an awesome organization that you all should follow, should read up on and replicate wherever you are. I'll make myself available. Ian will make himself available um, to help you because this is not a Virginia problem. This is a United States of America problem. Um, and. So he he had started his pack fight for schools. Uh, he had at the time an army of moms, and as things progressed, um, you know, men men out there, we've been lazy. Uh, we're not turning a blind eye. We know what's going on. We're lazy. We're afraid. We don't want to stir the pot, rock the boat, whatever you want to say. We don't want to cause tension with our boss, miss that bonus, that promotion. Um, what the problem is is men. We're not being men. Okay, we're. Our responsibilities are to God and to our families and to our society uh, to keep things in order. We are uh, Jesus Christ's ambassador here on earth. They're supposed to see him in us. Um, And man, man, we have uh, a crisis of masculinity right now. Uh, You you got that right. Even in the the military. Oh, yeah. Woke generals. Um, so, you know, I'm I am not a do as I say, I'm a do as I do. I, I took myself off the bench. I try and stay off the bench as long as I can. I connected with Ian Pryor's group um, at a school board meeting where I went to speak out about, you know, I forget the first one. I think the very first one I went to speak out about the injustice and the, uh, the inaccuracy of critical race theory and these race hustlers, um, the Equity Collaborative Consulting Group. Uh, this group is getting paid, I think, don't quote me on this, I think it's $450 an hour to provide CRT consultation allowed in county public schools. Now, they're not teaching CRT is what they're saying. They're not involved with it at all. Uh, but the procurement documents literally say as a line item, critical race theory development plan 
X dollars for fiscal year. Uh, I think it was 2020. Um, so it's interesting. They're, they're spending millions of dollars on developing critical race theory plans when they're not teaching or involved with critical race theory. Um, some of Ian Pryor's moms, they, they came up to me and they said, hey, would you be willing to help out the cause? Um, and they, a woman named Elizabeth Schultz, she had this idea. Um, these books that are in the schools, they're grotesque, they're pornographic. They almost always involve uh, sex acts in school with adults and minors, um, almost exclusively homosexual acts in these books. Um, wow. happening at school, on desk, with students and teachers or students and guys. It's it's some of the worst stuff. And they said, we're all going to sign up to speak back to back to back because the oppressive school board here, they only allow you to speak for 60 seconds, um, not long enough to really make a case for anything. So we all signed up to speak back to back to back, and we kind of made a longer form speech. But what we did was... We just read excerpts from these terrible books and we held up signs, big poster boards that had these excerpts. And I was the the thing that really put me on the map was I was the the clinch hitter. Um, you know, I was back in cleanup. So I came in at the end and paraphrased everything that was said, the violations that the school board made and bringing the books in without a curriculum review, without the normal oversight and safety features to keep this kind of junk out of our schools. And we told them, we see you, we know what you're doing in darkness, and we will bring it to light for all the world to hear. And Gary, all the world has heard uh, what this school board and now what other school boards have done and how they're after our children it's caused them to double down. It's caused us to double down. Um, and the fact is, we're going to win this war. This war is about kids and their psychological manipulation of other people's kids, of my kids. Of, right, right. And, and they're saying they're not your kids. They're the state's kids. We have them. The stuff that these teachers and administrators are doing is incredible. Um, when the public finds out about it, they're not happy. You see that in Glenn, Young, Glenn Youngkin getting elected governor in Virginia. Oh. Um, and you see, you know, truck drivers taking elections and uh, conservative truck drivers in far left states. Um, something's happening here. And I'm I'm truly blessed and honored to have been a small part of it. Well, that that is great. And I've watched you on a lot of videos. And and one of the great things is you people will zero in to what you say for, for several reasons. And it's it's the look you have it's the articulation. It's the way you present your argument, which is the same thing you do on your show. So please tell people about your show, what your show is about and how they can reach get your show, where they can get your show, when they can get your show, and how they can reach you. Awesome. So my show is very creatively named. I'm Joe Mobley. My show is The Joe Mobley Show. Uh, you can find out all about it at thejoemobleyshow.com. I'm on all social media at The Joe Mobley. Uh, but honestly, we're having conversations just like these uncomfortable conversations that need to be had where you can come out of the conservative closet and truth be told, come out of whatever closet. I've had liberals on the show, uh, one, a close family friend or family member of mine. Uh, she's a lesbian. She's a combat veteran, retired Marine. Um, 
went from New York City to California. She's a lefty for sure. She's in the closet about being a gun owner. She's got AR-15s in every room in her house. Uh, my nieces, they know how to use those weapons um, for tools, for survival, uh, not for target shooting or hunting, um, but for preserving their lives and the lives of others. So really, a lot of people are in the closet about a lot of stuff. And my show is an empowerment show um, where we talk about these cultural issues. Um, obviously, I make no bones about the fact that I'm conservative. Like Gary told you, I, it's, it's hashtag uncloseted conservative. All that stuff out on the Internet uh, is me. And, and I, I recognize it, it could seem a little taboo, but I believe that it's important. Um, so that's why I started the show. Gary, we are celebrating... Um, a year. Well, actually, we celebrated a year a couple of weeks ago. Congratulations! Um, so, and I'm yeah. glad I didn't get. I'm glad I didn't get you. You had you've had me on at least twice, and I'm glad I didn't get you thrown off the internet. <laughs> I'm still on the internet, uh, but it's it's the Joe Mobley Show. It's available wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, live streams on YouTube um, soon. Live streams on Rumble as well. We're working those details out. Uh, but that's Thursday nights from 8.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern, and the podcast release, uh, releases on Monday afternoons, uh, East Coast time. You know, Joe, keep doing what you're doing. Whatever your steps are order, ordered, wherever God wants to take you, please follow, because uh, people like you are needed, because there needs to be voices out there that are going to lead this nation for God, family, country, and constitution. And one of the things that a lot of people have, that have been coming on my show are talking about is with where the mainstream media is gone in the pocket of the Marxists, that the rise of internet conservatives is large and it is on the way to becoming the new media. So I'm glad you're gonna be a part of that. Gary, can I say one last thing, man? Please do. You, you got me that that last thing you said. We, we just feed each other too much ordered. My steps are ordered by the Lord. And, and that's true. And listeners, we're just speaking, speaking directly to you. Gary's told me several times about the, the miraculous transformation that took place in his life uh, when when his heart and soul was captured by Jesus. And and I, I have, you know, a similar story. Um, but I got to tell you guys, when you truly submit to the Lord's will and do what he says, do those callings that he has on your life, listen to that still small voice, everything changes. There was uh, maybe a decade of my life when I was a believer where I didn't tithe. And I, I had a moment where I, I realized it was wrong. I went to my pastor. I told him all about it. I wrote him a letter and then we met about it. Um, <clears throat> and since that day, it's a strict rule. Me and my family, we we do it, and and it's been a night and day difference in that area of life. There was a time where I didn't pray a lot, and I had a breakdown on the side of the road going to take a polygraph for the Secret Service, uh, where I was I was fighting human trafficking, and I looked over. I was driving from Fort Sill, Oklahoma, down into Dallas, and I'm in Texas, and I look over, I see a truck stop, and I just broke down. You know, I actually got pulled over and the Brandon Neff, Trooper Brandon Neff, Texas Highway Patrol came over and we talked for a few minutes and uh, he, we prayed together and uh, went on my way. Didn't get a ticket. Thanks, Officer Neff. <laughs> but 
the thing that happened that caused me to break down because I'm carrying all this weight. And it's like, you know what you can do? It's in Second Chronicles. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, uh, well, will uh, repent of their sins and humble themselves and pray, then I will hear their prayers and I'll hear, heal their land. And my prayer life changed that day on the way. Um, when you do what God tells you to do, what's written in his word and what he specifically speaks to you, your life will change in the most indescribable, miraculous way. Um, so if, if we could get you to do anything from listening to this episode is just submit to God and his will for your life. And I promise, I promise you won't regret it. It won't be easy, but you won't regret it. You're right, That's Joe. All, You're right, Joe. And, and the submission to God because God can't fail. You know, God and us are a majority. David took on King, little David, 12, 13 year old shepherd boy, took on a nine foot giant with all the Philistines behind them. And all the Hebrews were cowering. But see, all God needed was one little heart willing to stand up for righteousness, and he did the rest. You know, it, it, and that's the thing. If we, as you said, as God says, Submit to me, give your life to me, and I, and pray, repent, I will not only give you the way to success, but I will also heal your land. And that is the key. And I think right now, because this election was stolen from Donald Trump, and now that you see the communists are in charge, people are starting to see what is going on. And people are on their knees and begging God to forgive us and get us out of this horrible rabbit hole like never before. But you see, we had to we had to face our Red Sea. We had to face our Pharaoh. We had we, we had to we had to face this giant because people just weren't seeing it. Joe, thank you for coming on. You're always welcome to come on. God bless you and God bless your family. Thanks, Gary. Always a good time. Thank you. Joe Mobley of the Joe Mobley Show. Please check it out. It is worth it and it will empower you because as he said, it's about strengthening us, strengthening us to, if you're in the closet or even if you're out, to be stronger and to stand up for truth and righteousness. My next guest started Fide's podcast as a challenge to the false and misleading media that has infiltrated our society. Knowledge, faith, and truth. What is all too often missing in our society today? Jerry Serino says, especially in our youth. So he's here to champion strong American values of life, economic freedom, liberty, and faith. I am happy to bring to the show the founder and the host of the Fides podcast, Jerry Serino. How are you, Jerry? Excellent, Gary. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. And just so some of the people know, some of the people you've had on your show, you've had on, you had on Wisconsin Governor former Governor Scott Walker, Dr. Alveda King. Some people would know uh, Liz Wheeler, who used to have a show on uh, the OAN Network. So you have brought on some people, uh, Frank Pavone. Uh, you brought on some people that people 
would or may know, and you are blasting truth all over the airways. Tell people why, why and how this got started. Yeah, I think um, for for similar reasons, and you and I, Gary, have talked uh, similar reasons as you, and I think so many others that are out there like me, and that is, is that we see so much false out there. We see outright lies. We see a distortion of coverage in the media covering up certain things. And I've seen it now for as long as I've, you know, I, I, I've been out of college, you know, so I'm 46 years old. So it's been well over 20 years and I've seen it at so many levels. And I see the effect it has on people. It creates passions in people, creates people to believe things and feel things and vote a certain way based upon false information. And, um, you know, even though I'm just a small little podcaster, it's what I do on the side. It's not my main job. You know, my goal was to just be one of the soldiers that are out there like yourself and many others, uh, you know, because an army isn't an army of, you know, one person, you know, it's an army of one, but it's an army of lots of individual people and they all have their role. And so as small as I might be, and even though this isn't the main thing that I do, my goal is to to get the facts, get information out there uh, to people to listen to uh, so that they can have no, at least no excuse for not knowing the truth. And that's all I really want to do. And that's a wonderful thing to do. And one of my mantras is there's, you can never be too small because uh, just get one flip blue to red. That's, uh, I have a hat that says that. And and this is some, something I firmly believe. If you only reach one person or and change one person's opinion and that person goes and now goes to their or that person's fear of influence and changes one person and then that person goes and changes one person. This is how a tsunami develops, you yep. see, because we, and we never know who's listening. And then the beautiful thing also, it's not about just who's listening now because when you have a podcast right that is there for people to find I, you know like i i i'll give a i had never heard of uh and i don't watch much uh entertainment anymore but i had never heard of bruno mars a few years ago and i just happened to be watching on new year's eve that's my birthday and i was watching one of new year's eve show and i saw this guy out there from hawaii that was doing my 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 the guy that i idolized Back in the day when I used to have that type of thing, I now I analyze Christ. But back then, James Brown was my guy. And I was watching Bruno Mars look like a modern day version of James Brown. And what I did, what did I go back? I went back and I went on YouTube and started looking at his videos, watching him doing splits and sliding all over the floor and spinning all around like a top and everything that James Brown used to do. And I went back and started and seeing. I saw then you can see, you know, what that person really was about. And that's what can happen here. As people find out about you, as they find out about me, as they find out, they'll go back and they'll start listening to previous shows, and those shows can pick up steam along the way. Wouldn't you, would you would you agree? Yeah, I, I completely agree, and that's that's in, in a way my hope. I I released 132 episodes with a number uh, a number of others that are ready to go, just just waiting to be released and and the like, um, and. Yeah, I think I think what's so important about that too, the ability to go back and look and look at other episodes and find people on different platforms is is that it's hard for 
the uh, mainstream media or society to to censor all of that, right? And because they're doing it, they're taking people off of various areas, whether it's YouTube and the like. But so if you're all over the place and, and if you're archived and you could send things to people, send links to your show and so on to people, then it's much, much more difficult to be censored uh, in this age of censorship. Yeah, that you, you, that's 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 exactly what it's about and what it is. Uh, the, the people that listen to me know my main topics are uh, fighting the unholy trio, which would be the disingenuous mainstream media, uh, Marxism, socialism, communism, and group them all together. You know, all the progressivisms and uh, political correctness. Those are the things that we really hammer home a lot. What are your staples or the things that are the staples of your show that you like to uh, put forth? Yeah, so I would say my number one is the issue of life. And it's obviously primarily focused on the issue of abortion because that's the biggest, you know, biggest thing right now. But of course, it has to do with with youth, euthanasia. It has to do with, you know, other life issues, which are and include you know, all this transgenderism and things like that and very anti-family. These are, are all life issues because if, if we don't value, support, and protect life, especially of the most vulnerable, then, then what good are we? You know, what other rights do we have? You know, the issue of health care or taxes or regulation or energy policy you know, all of that is meaningless if we are a society or a country that has abortion, that we devalue life, just as we were far from a complete country when we had slavery. You know, not everybody believed in slavery. Not everyone supported it, obviously. Um, but while it was legal, you know, our, that was a blemish on our country. And I think this is the greatest blemish that we're murdering in a brutal, painful way, children uh, out of convenience or our own self-interest uh, individually. And so so that's probably my biggest issue. I love talking about a lot of the race issues, uh, to be honest with you, because I think that the left uses race to pit people against one another. Uh, they lie. They, um, they, they create a divisiveness between people and they don't need to. Um, I also like to talk about uh, economics, you know, the, the importance of capitalism, it's freedom. Freedom is capitalism, right? That's what it is, where you have freedom, you have capitalism, and that creates the greatest benefit for, for more people than any other system of economics the world has ever seen. So the poorest of the poor can become the richest of the rich or anywhere in between in a free market system. It's much harder in a socialist system. And so I like to kind of champion all three of those, but but definitely the life issue is my primary goal. I hear what you're saying, Jerry. And uh, let me know if your head popped off. Well, it didn't pop off because you're still talking. But uh, <laughs> this, this issue really got under my skin and I was hoping that we could have slammed the left with this, but it didn't happen. When they came out talking about Donald Trump at the border, putting kids in cages, and the saying was, the Democrat, because you know they have their talking points, they're ripping children away from their mothers. 
they're ripping these children away from their mothers at the border, separating them from the border. My thought would always be, yeah, you're talking about ripping children away from their mothers at the border. Why don't you have a problem with ripping an unborn baby out of the womb of its mother? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, but but here's the thing is the left doesn't have standards, Gary, right? We, We could point out these hypocrisies. We can point out how often that they're wrong, whether whether we talk about how they used to say uh, a baby is a clump of cells. And we know that that's not true. It has its own DNA. They never they never admit they're wrong or admit their hypocrisy um, in any way, shape or form. So everything that they say, every topic, every issue, every policy that they have or they take is contradictory to the truth. And so you're always going to find these, uh, you know, these these hit this hypocrisy here uh, in all of this. And and they don't care. They won't change. They won't see the light and say, yeah, you're right. That is a hypocrisy. Maybe we better reevaluate. Nope. They go the step further. They say, yeah, we might even need to kill children after they're born. There you go. And and we've heard that. And it never ends. People see it's not where it starts. Where it started with Norma McCorvey and Roe versus Wade, where it starts is not where it ends. Now, notice what you said. Remember, it's the same thing with the same sex marriage issue. Oh, we just let them. And now all of a sudden, look, now people, males want to be males, women, males want to be women, women want to be men. And now they want to marry this, that, anything. And it's moving into areas that are even freaking a lot of liberals out. Uh, Jerry, I know you grew up in Ohio and I went to college at Ohio University out there. So I spent a lot of time in Ohio. I, I served my internship uh, sports writing in the Plain Dealer building at Associated Press. Uh, yep. And uh, so I'm, I'm kind of acquainted with the state and it's uh, fairly liberal at times. And some of your a lot of areas are liberal in the cities and you have um, in, in the rural areas, you have a lot of conservatism. So how were you raised? Are you somebody that came up as a conservative or did you have to be red pilled? So, no, I was raised that way. I mean, I don't know that we necessarily talked too much politics. I knew that my parents were Republicans and I heard, you know, things that they would say, I suppose. But, um, but I think that if you're, if you're just raised right, you're, you're bound to be a conservative, right. As you get older and start really thinking for yourself. I mean, I don't, I don't count my, my teenage years when, you know, I didn't know up from down and down from up and nothing was logical. I mean, I, I was, when I, my first person that I was able to vote for was, um, George H.W. Bush, and I voted for him, you know, and um, so that's how I was raised. I was raised in a, in a very good Catholic home, um, and we were raised, I think, very, very well, and uh, that certainly all has an impact on on me and uh, my family at, at this age, and yeah, as it turns out, my, my father is actually a state senator here in Ohio, same name as mine, and, um, you know, he, he just recently, you know, in the past five years, got into politics. He was in business his whole life. And, um, you know, thankfully, Ohio is a conservative state. Uh, yeah. Went for Trump by, I believe, I believe it ended up being nine to ten points. Which surprised uh, a lot of people because the left thought they were going to do some damage there. Well, yeah, they thought a lot of things, and I think that they realized that it was way too out of whack to to do anything in Ohio. Plus, Ohio 
has really good election laws and they enforce those laws. And that I think, um, you know, maybe was a reason why they kind of left us alone. They knew it was hopeless, but um, we, we do have a good state, but it, as as every state is, is we have to have extremely strong and courageous leaders, even if they are Republicans, because honestly, a lot of Republicans out there are our worst enemies. You've got that right. And I want to reclassify something I said, because I don't want all my friends out in Ohio emailing me like, how could you say that? What I meant to say, so people understand that Ohio is a primarily conservative state with the exception of the major cities, which are liberal. That's what I yes, meant. You're, abs- you're absolutely right. That, yeah, no, I, I, I got go that. To the cities, you get in Cincinnati, Dayton, we can start naming them. They're the cities, yeah. uh, Trump, not so much. The the rural areas, MAGA, all over the place. That's what I meant to say. So if it if it's came out wrong, that's now it's been corrected. So, no, I got what you were saying. I understood. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to make sure they understand because I still have a lot of friends and Facebook friends out in Ohio. And if they listen, I don't want to. They said, you know better than that. You know, and it was funny. The first time I had coming from New Jersey, first time I, I got out to Ohio, it was very different because and this was like 1969 because everybody spoke to each other. And I wasn't used to that coming from uh, suburban New Jersey, you know, like. They they hi you go into Bob Evans and people would say hi and everything. And I remember when I went back to Ohio U uh one year when I uh I think my my uh, Walter Luckett, who was my friend, was going in the Hall of Fame and we, we flew down there and it hit my wife and his wife, and because she his wife had gone to school there after transferring from Brown, she knew, but my wife, who came from uh New York here. When she was down there, she was stunned that everybody was so friendly. And that was my first point of view of Ohio. My Ohio opened me up to like everybody isn't cold and and calculating. And I don't mean all the people in New York are cold and calculating, but everybody kind of stays in their space. And Ohio, I just saw they just open open their arms. And uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, no, Ohio really is a great state. You know, a lot of people don't know too much about Ohio. They think of Cleveland and the like, and, and Cleveland's a great city. Uh, yes, as you said, it's liberal inside the city, but um, it is a great city and, and so many great communities and great people. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, tell me this. What is going on now in this country and how are we going to win this battle? You can tell me how you see it and how your guests see it. At right now, right here, right now, what point are we in this fight against this uh, Marxist takeover? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think, you know, we always say that this election is the most important election in our lifetime, right? We've said that. I remember hearing that for the last probably 10 elections or so. Um, And I don't know if I'll, I'll say that that's the case in this case. I think that this is maybe one of the scariest times in our country and the one and only way that we defeat the left defeat these marxists and is is simply is we have to fight and we cannot compromise we cannot back down we cannot say you know trump was you know he was what he was but he was so 
unabashed and he was so, you know, uh, you know, sort of out there. I love Trump. Um, you know, he was unconventional. Same here. We need a guy. We need a guy like uh, George W. Bush or a Mitt Romney. No, that is absolutely we, we cannot have. We cannot compromise and go for weak people like that. We have to stick with the issues. We have to fight for them. We have to say, do what Trump does. He's he's you know, again, if you want to if you're not as comfortable with his, his type of personality, hey, that's fine. Everyone has their preferences, but we need someone who's going to tell people the truth, which he did, unlike anyone we've ever seen run for president. Uh, and he stuck to it and he fought back. And I think that's what we have to do, because as you said on my show and you said earlier, you know, if we give in and compromise on gay marriage, then it's it's just a matter of time before they go all the way. We cannot say, um, OK, we'll, um, you know, we'll we'll support full abortion ex- with. But, you know, but for this reason or that reason, you know, it, it, it's illegal. No, it has to be full and complete illegality. Um, we, we have to, again, I would say the biggest thing is no Mitt Romney's. We cannot have them at any level, not at governor, not at senator, not at house member, and definitely not as president. They have to be strong, bold leaders who do not compromise. You said you got that right, Jerry. And to me, the Mitt Romneys of our uh, of our of our land right now are like the Neville Chamberlains. See, Hitler's coming, and you 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 want you want to you want to compromise with him and try and try and appease him and deal with him when you must understand this is an ideology, and they're here to take over the world. You have the factions on one side. You have communism. They want to take over the world. On the other side, you have Islam. They want to take over the world. They're really both political entities, and they have banded together, banded together to take take over the free world. And then if they do that, as Trevor Loudon says, then they'll fight for world supremacy, but it'll be over our carcasses. We cannot allow that to happen. Nope, we can't. Jerry, I, I really thank you for coming on and, and telling the people about you and what you do. Please tell them how they can hear your show and um, how to reach you and anything you'd like to promote. Absolutely. Thanks, you. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, yeah, my, my podcast is called Fides, and it's spelled F-I-D-E-S. That's uh, Latin for uh, knowledge, faith, truth. And um, you can find me on all the different podcast apps or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can go to uh, feedacepodcast.com for my website and uh, have access to everything. I'm also on YouTube. You know, again, search the same way on YouTube, Rumble. And um, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, there's a great uh, site called uh, rightamericamedia.com. They have a lot of conservative um, shows, podcasts, and things like that. And I am on there on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. That's uh, rightamericamedia.com. But, uh, yeah, all the different podcast apps anywhere, I'm on all of them. Um, Feed Ace Podcast, just search for it, and I'd, I'd appreciate a listen. Yeah, and, and it's a wonderful show, and he has great guests, uh, and, and you get to you hear truth. And that's what this show today is about, about people that hear truth. And people who want to hear truth and people who put the truth out there in mega doses. So, Jerry, I thank you very much for coming on the show. God bless you and God bless your family.
Thank you. You too. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Mr. Jerry Serino, everybody. Jerry Serino, blasting truth in megadoses. My next guest worked as a model, actress, and producer in television. She worked as an assistant in the film industry. She's been a public speaker at the Republican Party of Texas, North Shore. For the Catholic Church, Kathy has been on the Pastoral Council, the Pro-Life Ministry, I really love that, Elector and a Eucharist Minister. She's the creator and the producer of the show, Kathy's Right, and that's why she's here. I am very happy to bring to the show, Kathy Hatch. How are you, Kathy? I'm fine. I'm so honored to be here. Well, thank you, and I, we're, we're, we're glad to have you because this show is about people who have shows that put out truth, and we're kind of becoming the new, new uh, media because, you know, the mainstream media has just gone, gone in the tank. And yeah. my first question to you, your background is so interesting because you're back home right in Texas, but you spend a lot of time in California. And I was just fascinated because you say you paint that it was like kind of the way they treated you, it seems, as an artiste that uh, helped to lead you and your husband out of the uh, left coast that probably belongs, you know, it would be nice if California would just break off and just float off in the ocean <laughs> somewhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I do know what you mean. <laughs> yes, California. I, I spent 26 years <clears throat> in California. And when I <clears throat> when I did so, I didn't realize, because it's kind of like a, that slow boiling frog thing, you're, you're there and you start uh, – accepting as normal things that aren't really normal. And when my husband de decided to retire, I thought that was my chance to get the heck out of there because, I mean, we left skid marks in our old driveway, literally. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my question, were you, were you always a conservative when you were out there? You know, because most people who are black have a, a Democratic Party past. Like most people that listen to the show know my background, that I, I got saved, born again at 43 years old. And then that's when I lost the Democratic Party, when I found Jesus Christ and, and you know, Amen. came to understand things like you're about, like understanding that God is about life. And when Jesus says what you do to the least of these, you do to me. When God says thou shalt not murder, that includes the only entity that needs our protection that can't fend for itself for the unborn babies in the womb. So I finally got it and I changed. Were you always uh, a conservative out there? I've always been a conservative since as far back as I could remember, since yeah. fifth grade at least. Um, I My memories of fifth grade, I remember because my, my best friend, her parents were very staunch Democrats and they used to get into political discussions with me. And, and we would go for hours talking about politics. And, and so it's always been that way. I wasn't always pro-life, I'm ashamed to say. Uh, I did buy into uh, the, the liberal agenda as far as I didn't know because- Same here. I really didn't know. I'd never seen a baby in in the uterus or, or one of those pictures, you know how they show. Mm -hmm. I'd never seen that. And for me, it, I just thought that it was a, a woman's option. I never, and when I when I realized exactly what we what the world was doing to small babies defenseless babies i could no longer be pro-choice that's pro-death to me now right 
So you were always a conservative. You were out in California. And uh, the final straw was what? Just that your, your husband retired and that gave you an opportunity to get out? Well, that, but, but what, what started to happen around me, I lived in a pretty nice uh, affluent neighborhood and my friends, people that were close to me were starting to behave in, in ways that I, that I, I tried to excuse away. Like one person was having an affair and another person was, you know, they were all doing something awful. <laughs> and then, and I remember at one point I got to a point where I, I remained mum because I didn't want to be judgmental because I've always been Christian, but I didn't want to judge other people. But one day I was sitting next to our pool and one of my friends was, were, was there sunning and she started bragging about some affair she was having. And of course I was a little bit tipsy and I said, you know what? She, she goes, well, it was great. I'm like, it wasn't great for your children. It's not great for your husband. And this is not a good thing. And she got so mad at me. She stomped away, I mean, away from my house, away from my pool. She spread rumors about me that were untrue because I had called her on what she was doing. And I just thought it was awful. And I remember telling my husband, it seems, seems like everybody around us is getting a divorce. And, and, and I know why it's all selfishness and, you know, we outgrew each other. And and then the final straw was one of my dearest friends. Her husband actually murdered her. Oh, gosh. And uh, that was just right down the street. She was the one that was my go-to person when, when I had my last baby. You know, she came to watch my children while I drove to the hospital. Um, that was horrible. And, and how people just started to look like monsters to me there in California. Um so when, when my husband retired, I'm like, yeah, I'm getting out of here. I'm going back to Texas where people are normal and people eat meat and everything. <laughs> so- <laughs> yeah. Now, I got to admit, because I spent a lot of time in Southern California. And before I got saved, uh, L.A. was like my second home. So, see, I do I do the weird thing. I'd get the medium rare steak with the alfalfa sprouts on the side. <laughs> you know, so, but, any, but anyway, so. Uh, why you're here is Kathy's right. How did that come about? So you come back home. What led you to start your own show and then tell people about the show? Well, I first started out with my blog because I'm a, I'm a writer and I've always written. And then also I also paint and I wanted a place to be able to communicate to people things that I thought were important. And I found that even when I wanted to talk just about Jesus and my faith, it always ended up talking about politics, too, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, of course, politics and religion go together. What were we thinking? My mother said, don't discuss that in polite company. But what were we thinking? I mean, didn't they vote for Jesus's crucifixion? There you go. That was the first <laughs> vote in history. Pilate said, hey, I'm going to release either the insurrection is Barabbas, the murderer, yes. or I'm going to release the person who claims he's the son of God. Choose. Exactly. It's always been, it's first always been. right. King Herod. What yeah. did he say? Kill all the babies. Babies. I mean, and right. Not him. Not only not only King Herod, but you had King Herod, but you also you had King Herod trying to kill those babies. But even preceding that, you had Pharaoh trying yes. to keep the prophet Moses, the, the deliverer of the Hebrews, trying to keep it the same thing from. And that's what I, you know, just to get off the beaten path for a second, people, please understand this. This is the problem with abortion. So you got to understand something there. People say, well, my body, my choice. Well, you know, God determines what the choice is in that regard. Isn't it interesting, Kathy, how 
on one hand, the Democrats say my body, my choice. But when it comes to taking this jab, it's your body, <laughs> our choice. But the point I'm trying to make that I try and point out since you brought this up, I always go where you went. We start with Herod trying to kill the baby Jesus, keeping the Messiah from coming into the world. Then but you can go back to Moses and, and, and Pharaoh trying to keep Moses, the deliverer, from coming into the world. And I always tell people, don't you realize when you're doing, you're doing the same thing. He did babies a year and a half and, and, and younger and anybody in a mother's womb. You mm -hmm. could be killing the next great man of God. That's what Satan's after. You don't know who's in those wombs. You know what I mean? And I it's murder. Right, we do. But that's I, that was just my little chance to preach there for a second. But anyway, so well, God bless well, you for saying that, because people do need to be reminded. I, you think that everybody would think it would be common sense. Right. But it's not common sense. They're still fighting for the, the right to murder. So why are they fighting so hard? That's what I want to know. Why are they fighting so hard? Do they really just dream about killing babies? No, they're fighting for their immorality. They like the whole thing of being able to have intercourse without consequences. And so that's, I think, beside the bloodthirsty part about killing babies, they're really fighting for immorality. Yeah, because you, you nailed it. And along those lines, it is no consequences for your actions. See, people, you have, you have to remember from the fall in the garden. And by the way, just so you know, if you don't know, the first person that came through the birth canal of a woman turned out to be a murderer as Cain mm. killed his brother Abel. So just remember that. But that, you know, it's sin without consequences. And, and what ends up happening is there will be consequences. And, and, and a lot of these women grow up and wish it hadn't happened later on in life. And there, there are deep grave consequences because people say, hey, why, why are all these children in schools and these children killing each other? And I, my answer is children will stop killing children when adults stop killing children. Amen. Because if you kill a baby in a womb, you are letting your kids know that you don't think or that society does not think this life is that big of a deal. Because life is parents can Right. If parents can take the babies in the womb, then why shouldn't kids pop each other? You know, exactly. the, the, the value of that, you know, they, they're growing and, and, and they're growing up not understanding the value of life. But you brought up a point. You said common sense. Uh, Kathy, I, I hate to tell you, if common sense were still, was, excuse me, was still the uh, variable point of our nation, Barack Obama would have never gotten president once, definitely not twice, and Leiden, Hyde, and Joe Biden would not be in the White House now, no matter how many votes they stole. But we regress. Let's get back to, so you started Kathy's Right, now Kathy's Right has become a show you brought on some great guests, you get into serious political issues. Tell us how it morphed into a blog to what it is now. Well, uh, I, I kept growing as a person. I When we first moved back, all I did was golf and I golfed pretty much three, four days a week and that takes up the whole day. But I had important things to say. And I remember here, most of the people in my neighborhood are conservative and we're terrified of it turning purple out here. And I remember there would be women that I would golf with and they'd say, well, we can't talk politics in front of her because she's a liberal, you know, <laughs> like, oh, OK. So we were kind of giving the heads up. But it was just the opposite. Why, because, you were black, they, because you were black, they thought you were a liberal. Oh, everybody thinks I am because I'm black. 
they always are shocked. <laughs> like they are shocked when I, but I always tell people who I am because I'm no longer shy about politics. I was when I was in California because I was always outnumbered. And when I became, when I became Texan again, I felt free again. And I felt like I'm not going to be dishonest. I'm not going to hide what my views are. I, I'm retired. I don't have any Thing to lose by expressing my views. A lot of people in California do. I know a lot of conservatives who still live in California, who own businesses, who don't dare say what they really think and really believe for fear of losing more than half of their business. Right. So, okay. So you decided to speak up. How yes. did it get from I'm speaking up and I'm doing a blog to where you're on right now on your show and you can tell them all the networks it's on and they can find your show and the type of things you talk about. How did you get from that point now to where you are? Well, I started to have a lot of guests and I started to find that there were other black Republicans, which I didn't know existed either. I was like, yeah, I found my tribe finally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was wonderful. I'm, my friend Felicity Joy and, and, and Janice Pons and and there's so many. And my yeah, they're all Kenny. Facebook friends of mine. Yeah, you've just named two Facebook friends of mine too. Yeah, they're they're good people. Yeah. She helped me get started on my on my podcast, and, and then you know people kept giving me encouragement, and I've got nothing but support and encouragement from fellow conservatives. I've met some wonderful people, some some bizarre people, but I've also learned a lot, and I've I've learned enough to know that. I have something to offer this world. I have a little bit of wisdom from all the stuff I've been through. I hear you. What is your major, like most people know that listen to me, it's the uh, progressivism of the Marxist, socialist, communist. That's my main drum that I beat. What What is the passion of your heart, of that kind of the thread that goes through most of your shows? I love my country. I love God. I love my country. I love my family. And I really think that the only way we're going to save this country is by the grace of God. And I think that we're all called to evangelize. I don't know how to evangelize personally, but I can only say that what I have in common with my tribe is that we all have a mutual love of Jesus Christ. And that, mm -hmm. has, Amen. that is the strength that we have. And to me, when it would be easy for me to bow my head and just say, this whole country is going to go to hell in a basket— I don't because I still have hope in Christ. So no matter what they throw at me or what names I get called from the left, because you, you probably heard them all. I've had people send me things like coons dancing across the street, you know, with a mm -hmm. cane and a hat. And I've got all, I'm thinking they think that hurts. I've been this way since I was in fifth grade. You have to come up with a valid argument if you want to debate me about anything. And that's another thing. I love a good debate. So... That is, I hear you. Yeah. That's my strength. That's what I did throughout college. And, and I love a good debate, I'll organized, civilized conversation. Um, I've seen a lot of people coming out of the Democrat plantation. I'm proud to say I got a phone call from one of my neighbors this week who I've known since I was itty bitty. And he's always been Democrat. He called me specifically to tell me, Kathy, I can no longer be a Democrat. He said, I don't know if I can be a Republican, but I can no longer be a Democrat. I hear you. Now, before I ask you a little bit more to delve a little bit deeper into the type of guests you bring on and what they talk about, let's talk about that state of yours, which I used to spend a lot of time in. 
Uh, and I'm, I don't know if you want me to mention your city, but I used to spend a lot of time in in the city in which you live. And I used to find it interesting that you could fry an egg on a rock. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but your car. Uh, you could do it on your, your car. Your city in San Antonio used to this. Is, I wouldn't save yet, but your city in San Antonio used to be my favorite two cities in, in Texas. Oh. I liked it a lot better than Dallas. Well, but, I live no- in North Austin. It's OK to say. Oh, wait um, a minute. I thought you were in Houston. No, I'm from Houston. Oh, Austin. Boo. Austin is <laughs> the kids. Yeah, oh, it's boo. terrible. That's why I say That's North Austin. Oh. because yeah, I love Houston. I used to love Houston. Oh, North. Oh, oh, oh so you're going to. North is. Okay. All right. <laughs> Austin. I'm, I'm, I was stunned Austin was as liberal as it is. Austin should be ashamed of itself. Um, yeah, during the election season, you could see the closer you get into Austin, the flakier people seem to get. You can see the people driving with their mask on in cars all alone. And then they'll also have a Biden or a Beto sticker. And it says, you know, you don't need the sticker if you're going to be in your car with your mask. We can see. <laughs> right. And for people that don't know, the University of Texas is in Austin, you know. Yeah, so, that's but, where I went to school. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're, you're, one, you're a Longhorn. Yes, I am. Okay. Well, right. so, well, Austin is, is a beautiful city. I rarely go into the city. Because it's gotten so bad because they have a liberal mayor and he's ruining Austin. Um, that that Adler, I think, is his last name. He is ruining Austin. And now we're starting to see, I mean, even during the riots of 2020, the summer of love, quote unquote, they had they tried to do that here in Austin and somebody got shot. Well, mm-hmm. you go up to somebody's car in Texas, you know, it's kind of crazy to do that. And so I'm like, what did they think was going to happen? We're not, you know, Yankees here. Well, since you live in Austin, you can you can help people around the country understand this paradox that really doesn't make sense to a lot of people. When you're in a red state and when you see the success of the areas where they have Republican conservative mayors and their city councils and, you know, they're they're living by conservative values. And then when you do look at places like Austin that are conservative and uh, that are liberal and you see the problems, the same thing in like in Florida. Right. Yeah. Why don't they get it and see, gee, it's working there. The crime is lower. the, 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 The pay scale is higher. They don't have the problems we have here. The economics booing there. We need help from the government here. Why don't they get it? Are they really all just ideologues down for the re- down for the struggle, down for the revolution? I think they're ideologues, but I think Austin is run by basically a bunch of people who are collegiates, and the university is full of a lot of liberals. I, I'm some of my old communist professors are still there, um, and alive, amazingly, mm. and so. They're they're teaching uh, young people to. I mean, for instance, if you debated a, a, a professor at the University of Texas, which I've done many times, and if you've debated them on any issue, your your grade is determined based based on how well you regurgitate what they tell you. They don't want you to have a mind of your own. So it's just there's like 50 different colleges just in inside of Austin, not just the University of Texas. And they're all run by liberals. And that's how we're getting such, you know, we want we want everybody to go to college. We want everybody to get an education, but we're not getting education anymore. It's just further sealing the indoctrination of the liberal run schools and the, the liberal run schools produce liberal run professors and universities. And it just keeps going. It just keeps going. They come to Austin idealistic, you know, 
and they really, really try to indoctrinate. I had to fight for some of my grades because I was a conservative. I joined the Young Republicans at UT because I I couldn't take it anymore. I had to I had one teacher. I had never made less than like a, a B on an English paper, let's say. And so I go to University of Texas. This I go to this women's literature class. This lady, uh, I thought I was going to read some great books written by women. It was no such thing. It was all written by lesbians who all kill themselves at the end of the book. And <sighs> so it really, it, it was just that. And, I, and when I, I tried to bring in a point of view of, say, a, a Yates or something, and I say he thought this way because he was a male. Well, that's not what she wanted to hear. So she put a D on my paper. So I went to defend my paper because I said, you know, show me why this is a D because I've never made a D on an English paper. And she, and, and she said, this is a D because you said this. And so I took it to another professor who's also a communist, by the way. We're still friends, but... <laughs> Anyways, and he said, Kathy, this is what you do. And so I went back to her and I told her that I showed it to another professor and suggested that I go to the dean. So she changed it to a B plus without even arguing. But what she was saying was my paper, I was saying that this man thought of this this way because he was a man. But the way that she saw everything, her point of view in that class and how she wanted us to see is see men and women was either you are a woman or you're not a woman. Right. There, I hear you. There's not no. no such thing as a man yeah. to her. It yeah. was just crazy. And that's how students don't know to fight. I mean, I had to fight for my grades. I had to fight for everything. These people in the universities are cranking out more communists. And that's where, where we're coming. That's where all those kids were in the streets for the summer of 2020. That's where they came from, universities. You're right. And I, I was mentoring a young woman about 10 years ago, maybe a little less, who had just become a Christian, really claimed to be Christian, but wasn't born again. And, and she she really gave her life to Christ and she was going to community college. So her point of view changed into God's point of view about uh, about creation over evolution and all kind of things. And she came back to me and she said, you know, I'm paying to go to this community college. I'm in this class. I now understand I have a communist professor and and this is the class. I need this class to graduate. And she asked me, what should she do? And this is what I have recommended people do. If you can give them the answer they want, give them the answer to the paper they want, give them the answer that they expect you to give. So they'll know, you know, that you have heard them and you can kick out what they want you to say. And then you say, this is what your answer is. Mm -hmm. So they know you got it, but this is what I believe based on body, body, blah, and then put your answer. And if they try and flunk you, at least you have on paper have proven that you know the answer, wink, wink, they want to give you. Mm -hmm. And and hopefully it covers your bases. It worked for her. Maybe it'll work for others. Kathy, please tell people about the type of guests you bring on and as far as the type of conversations you have and, and what have been some of the hot button topics that you've talked about? Um, from, for me, the most important topics have been the border and, and pro-life. The border is, is super, it's a lot more in depth and a lot worse for our country than they're putting on, on the air. You got that right. And you're down there, right? You're not that close, but you're close enough. Yeah, I have friends that, that go down there. I have a, a good friend, Tim Enlow. I've had him on my show a few times. In fact, I hope to have him next week because he, he's down there doing security. And uh, what he has seen 
it just floors me. I I lo- I lost a lot of sleep thinking about it. And and so I pray about it, but I just can't believe that they haven't made this a bigger issue because it's so much harm that's being done to our country and to the people that are coming in illegally, the smuggled people, the trafficked people, the trafficked children. And to me, the fact that the news media doesn't pay attention to this is diabolical. You're right about that. And the pro-life we, we've already discussed, though, those two, those two are very important. And, and people understand it's not just drugs coming across and people who have bad intentions sex wise. They're there. There's sex trafficking. They're bringing sex, sex slaves in. They're bringing all kind of people in. And if you don't think that terrorists be them Islamic or anything else of the communist Islam, because they work together, mm-hmm. anybody if you don't think they're 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 coming across the border because they can, you know, and exactly but, right. By the way, I do want to ask you one question since pro-life is, is so important to you as it is to me. I never understood this. And you can tell me because I don't have any Democratic. I don't have any communist friends or Democrat. They they don't even want to be in my life. You know, I don't chase anybody out. They just right. leave. OK, so all my friends are either born again Christians or conservatives, you know, or people of, of, of that nature. The, mm-hmm. the point the point now there are, as I said, I have yeah, acquaintances, but they they don't challenge me because I'm going to go Bible on them and they know it. My question <laughs> to you is this. When the Democratic Party. Tried to talk about Trump putting kids in cages, which, hello, people, it was Barack Obama that put the kids in the cages, not he Trump. Built the cages. Even. Thank you. When they tried to go there, and I'm listening to Pelosi and Schumer and all these Marxist clowns talking about ripping babies, ripping children out of the hands of their mothers, mm. about separating families. And my retort would be, well, you have a problem with children being and they have no say in this matter coming across the border illegally mm-hmm. being ripped out of the hands of their mothers according to you yet you have no problem ripping a fetus out of a mother's womb mm-hmm. see it's and i would throw that at people uh, have you ever done that and why do the people on the left or are they that hypocritical they don't give a darn the oh let me turn this down i can hear feedback um they are that hypocritical and they don't give a darn because the, the children don't really mean anything to them uh, unless they're useful to them. And that's how come they make a big deal about the, of course it's a big deal when they have the school shootings, they go, Oh, these poor children, it's about these gun people. And you know, it's not about the guns. They don't care about the children. They never did. And they never will. It's all just smoke and mirrors with the left. Uh, Cause if they cared about children, they would care about these unaccompanied minors. Now those kids in those cages more so than often, more often than not. And I have this on, on good. I have a, a friend who was working for ice at the time. She's now retired, but on good authority that those children back then were DNA tested. And those, those mm-hmm. people that came there with them were not their parents. Mm-hmm. And, and so you know, that's right. why they were separated. Right. <laughs> so, right. And that's another thing that we didn't bring up. Hey, they want everybody to wear a mask. We're going to make a mask mandate, but you can come across the border and not be tested. And we don't know who you are, what country you are, and where, where you're from. And we don't care. They you don't know? care because, remember, for, for a long time, the Democratic Party made programs and projects for black people and Hispanic people. But now their pet project is illegal immigrants. 
we used to be their pet project. And now that black people are leaving the Democratic plantation, they need a new group of slaves. Yeah. And those are your illegal immigrants. They need an underclass. There you go. You got it. So we've been replaced, Gary. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we've been replaced. And I'm just hoping that people are starting to catch on and waking up to what this is about, because this is a communist takeover, people. We're in the midst of this. And the fact that they don't close that border up, the fact that they allowed, you know, their summer of love and they allowed the rioting in the streets and that you could have 15, 20,000 people with no masks running around Seattle and Portland, but let two people try and go to a gym and we want to throw everybody in jail is just showing you what this is really, truly, truly about. Kathy, I really thank you for coming on and sharing your insight. Please tell people where they can reach you, your show, how to get your show, and anything else you'd like to promote. You can go to kathysright.com and pretty much get everything. That's my blog where you can find my podcast, my writing, my artwork, um, all of it. Um, there's Kathy's Right on YouTube. There's Kathy's Right on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Spreaker. Um, I have a, a following in India that I, I'm really curious about because it's growing. <laughs> and so I think that's fascinating. So there you are, kathysright.com. And I'm happy to, if anybody would like to write to me, you can write to me at kathysright at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to answer any questions. And maybe you could come on my show. Well, I when people ask me that, I give them the Michael Jackson line, whenever you want me, I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> you know? So, but... <laughs> But uh, one one other thing before you, before you go, uh, you, your state is go, not going to, you know, because they, they're putting a lot of money trying to turn Texas blue. Uh, that, that's not going to happen, is it? I don't think they're, they're going to get away with it. I think that as as bad and as hard as they're trying and, and they're really successful in, in Austin and Houston um, because it, it's entrenched there. But out there are Texas towns that have outlawed abortion. Like they're not going to have abortion <laughs> in their towns. Town by town, they're doing it because that's how we're fighting back. And now we have a, a right to carry our weapons um, because they have open borders. We're on our own. Look at, they, they cut our police force in Austin. They haven't cut all of them because where I live, we have a really good police force. But the crime has risen. So Texans are on our own. We have illegals pouring in over the border. Guns are pouring in over the border. I live in an area of predominantly retired people. And I remember they were talking about on, on the television, oh, yeah, we're going to go out to the suburbs. I'm thinking, are they crazy? Everybody on my street has a gun. Do you think these old people are going <laughs> to duke it out with some young punk? No. They're going to say, yeah, come across the threshold. Boom. Pow. That's how that's right. going to happen right. because it's not going to happen in Texas. And I, I don't know a single person that doesn't own a weapon here. And we have a gun range less than two miles away. So we're practiced. So the thing is, if, if, if the government, the federal government is not going to take care of that border, Texas is on our we're on our own and and we will defend ourselves. We are not violent people. By nature, I mean, it's the friendliest state. If you've, you've been here, we are the friendliest state that I've ever been to. So we don't have a problem. We don't have problems with our neighbors. I don't anyways. I have the best neighbors in the world. Right. But, well, I'll tell you, the friendliest state, uh, I have to say, that I've ever been to was the state I went to college in. That was Ohio. Texas ooh. is in there. But I, I hate to say this, Kathy, and I'm saying this as a joke. Okay. But, but uh after this airs, based on what you just said, 
uh, we're going to be watching your, your uh, Fox News down there when when the FBI surrounds your block like they did Roger Stone, <laughs> you know, and looking at you and your husband and all, all your retired, poor retired people coming out. And then they're bringing all these guns out of your home. It's like an arsenal of stuff. You know, well, you little to, to protect yourself. That's a joke. I know, but it's just crazy for, for, for these liberals to think that they're going to try to come out to the neighborhoods out here. That's just nutty. It's, it won't fly. It won't work. Because like I said, most of them, old people are not going to try to duke it out with some, some Antifa gene-wearing person with a bun. They're not. As you say, you'd be a cap in the butt, and people with a cap means uh, a cap is not. I don't mean a cap gun, but yeah, don't don't mess with the older with the don't. people in Texas that have some wisdom and understand the constitutional constitution and know what their rights are. I love the constitution. I love now. That's the thing too that I'm a constitutional conservative. That is something that's intrinsically what they're after. They're after the constitution. They're whittling away our rights. They're trying to make it acceptable for every American to take away our rights. That's what this pandemic was all about. It's the only way they can get socialism to communism is to get rid of that constitution. Kathy, thank you very much for coming on. God bless you. Thank Wishing you. you and your husband and your family a blessed and Merry Christmas and God Aww. bless. Thank you. God bless you. And thank you for having me. You're welcome. Kathy Hatch, the host of the show, Kathy's Right. You can find all of her stuff on Kathy'sRight.com. I actually recommend you go there and look. She's had on some great guests and they get into some great topics. Kathy Hatch, everybody. My next guest I met down at the conservative convention Rock the Red in Greenville, South Carolina two years ago. And I was introduced to him by Don Nguyen, Cowboy Logic, who said, do you know Kevin White? And I said, no. And he says, well, you got to meet him. So he takes me over to meet Kevin White. And Kevin White has a display there with his new book. And I wanted to eat the book because I hadn't had lunch. And the book has a big picture of an Oreo cookie that's split open. And uh, I don't eat much sweets, but I wanted to eat that. But I didn't eat the book. But I did get to know Kevin. And I consider him a friend. Kevin White's a different type of guy, rather unique guy. He doesn't fit into any perceived boxes, although he moves within several of them. And as you're going to find out, he's a different type of guy, but a guy that has a lot to say, and he knows a lot, and he speaks truth. He's a retired veteran of 30 years of service in the United States Air Force. He's the owner and CEO of Brownie Fox Publishing, LLC, which is an Ohio-based publishing company, which his book is on. And he has his own radio show called the American Allegiance Radio Show, which he will tell you about. I am glad to bring to the show somebody who shouts, shouts truth to the rooftops, Mr. Kevin White. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing great, Gary. How are you? I'm glad going to be on your program. I, 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 I'm glad to have you back. And uh, you can tell people, because if I tell them, they, they, it's, I'll let you tell them why you're a different type of guy, why your book, Growing Up White, which is your last name, and why you have an Oreo cookie on the cover of your book. But I'll give them a little hint. The subtitle to the book is An Oreo's Guide to Fitting In. So take it away. You know, first of all, it's not an Oreo because I'd get in trouble for that. I had to write Nabisco. They never oh, gave me permission. Oh, I'm sorry. So it's, so it's actually a, it's a generic Oreo cookie, but it's just as tasty. 
Okay. So I bought a box of cookies from Meyer the other day, and they're better than the Oreos, actually. So you never know what you're going to get. Uh, so what I did was I wrote a book about my life as an Oreo, which, if people don't know, it's a black person on the outside but white on the inside. My dad was in the military. I grew up there, and we didn't have the same culture that we did off, you know, people did off base. We were all about really being one because we have people of all colors and races and countries. I even lived overseas. And, you know, this is what I knew until I, my dad retired, I got off base and things were different. People didn't act the same. It's just a different culture altogether. And there is more division between the races and the people, you know, wouldn't accept you as you are. So my stereotype was that all black people act the same. And because I didn't, that I was kind of ostracized and I was put on the, the side, uh, people couldn't figure me out. And that's why Gary says, I'm a different kind of guy. And I am. I don't fit the norms, but I am my own, my own person. And number one, I'm American first, patriot, uh, God-loving, God-fearing uh, person. And I think putting labels and races on people is the wrong way to go, the wrong direction. If you want to get to know somebody, you got to know me for me for who I am, not what I look like. And that's the problem with what happened was I was treated by the way I looked, I was stereotyped. This is back in the 80s. So things things weren't uh, normal to me when that happened. So it's like, what kind of world did I land in? Because when you live as a dependent, you're really in a bubble of, uh, of unreality when it comes to the outside world. And that's what my book is all about. I explain my life story and how I uh, overcame things once I realized the bubble was gone and how to deal with it. And there's a lot of things, a lot of discrimination goes to Oreos uh, because they don't act like, uh, you know, what they're supposed to. And a lot of it comes from the black community because I don't act black enough. But on the other hand, the whites think I'm supposed to act this way and they treat me that way. They talk to me in slang that I don't understand. So that's what this book is all about. And that's, I love, I love explaining this and I love for people to read it. It's a hilarious book. It's funny. It's uh, it's got a lot of insight on it and uh, it brings up, it gets a lot of attention just like Gary. Yeah. You can't eat the book, but you know, it's tasty in the words, form of words. Absolutely, Kevin. And this book needs to be digested. In fact, I'll tell you a little story. Uh, when I came back from Rock the Red, I like to sit in my tub and just put some Epsom salt in there and soak in hot water. And I took your book in there and thought I'd just do my normal half hour. I just I, I was just so consumed, as you said, eat, you can't eat the book, but you can digest the words. I stayed in there until uh, I finished reading the book, which is probably why now I look like a shriveled up prune. But <laughs> That that's no, I stayed in there. That that book was so captivating to me because I I I grew up with people in high school that that went through this stigma and I never got to understand or hear from the inside from a person what it's like that black people say you're not, quote, black enough and white people getting on your case because you're not black enough. And the key thing is when they get to know you and listen to you, you are you, you are who you are, and you're a highly intelligent person. And I hope what has been happening is that a lot of people that come to meet you 
and talk to you come to just judge you for who you are, exactly who you said you are, for the amount of intelligence you have, for the service you gave to this country in more than 30 years. Tell them what you did in the Air Force, because not everybody can do this. Well, I got in in uh, 1985. I went to tech school. I don't know how I graduated out of there, but it was tough. I learned to be an aircraft electrical systems specialist. I worked uh, five years on the A-7 Corsair, and we're talking about all over the aircraft, different systems. Then I went to the F-16 in 1991, and I worked that for 23 years. Trust me, <laughs> this stuff is not easy when you have parts that think for themselves, they make their own decisions, and you have to be smarter and catch what, they, what they're doing you know, to the aircraft, and you have to use all your diagnostics tools and everything, and it takes a knack. The smartest people can't necessarily do the job the right way, uh, we had engineers that couldn't, that didn't have, I mean, it's just the way, it's it's a mindset. You have to really have a knack for this kind of stuff. And you're responsible. Just think about this. At 18 years old, I was working on fighter jets. And I was, you know, that's what I did. That was my job. And it seemed normal. Everybody was a mechanic around me. But that's that's kind of the illusion in the Air Force kind of thing. And it takes a lot of skill, a lot of dedication, because there is no other graduate that's going to fix your plane. You have to do it. You, it's up to you to, to be responsible for things. So I learned a lot of responsibility, a lot of leadership. I learned a lot about aviation that led to other jobs in aviation after I retired. So there's a lot of good things that came out of uh, what I had, the choices I had, the choices I made, and the, and the demand. People want you to work for them when you have the kind of skill that you build up. That was my career. And I was also in supervision, had my own people. I had people calling me, sir, believe it or not. Not just uh -huh. you, Gary. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I would, yeah. my, my fault is I call people, you know, that mentor me. I call them, sir. I, that's just the thing, you know, military guys, they call people, sir and ma'am, just so used to it. Uh -huh. Just to make a point, uh, as I say in my book, the only time I felt like I was not an Oreo or not black or not white was when I wore the uniform. I was another, I was an airman, I was in the military, and people treated me with the most respect <clears throat> when I did that because, I mean, I go to lunch, they buy me lunch, they buy stuff for me, they'd say, thank you for your service. I thought it was great. I was me, and that was my identity. I love to have, and I miss that a lot. Kevin, this is what I wanted you to tell the people about, because, see, a lot of people, all they know is this cultural Marxism world we live in now, which is designed by the communists to pit black against white, male against female, rich against poor, and create enmity and create all this strife and stress, and then they're going to ride in on their white horse and correct it with a, with a government state. Uh, you came out of the military. Please tell them what it was like being part of a military family, because a lot of people know no different than this bullcrap that we live in. And they don't understand what an existence of a military family is in which everybody is part of the community and you're not divided by black, white, rich or poor, male and female. You're divided by you're wearing the uniform of a United States officer or soldier and you're there for the good of this country, and that's all that matters. Exactly. Well, there's two sides. As a dependent, we are all one community. Uh, there's too many colors, too many different people to uh, discriminate between each other. And besides, 
if you had issues like that, the commander would talk to your parent, whoever was in the military, and discipline them so it didn't happen. So kids got along because it's not because they had to because that's what, what the culture was. As a uh, as a an airman, we call ourselves. We're you know the opposite of soldier, which is army. I understand. We, I was making a broader. <laughs> I was making a broader. Right. I was incorporating all military. But thank you for correcting. Yes. Me. Go ahead. Oh no no no, you're fine. Uh, no, the thing is about that is is everybody has one job, and their their job is just as important as everybody else's. From the commander to the people who who uh, work the uh, flight line, or even the cafeteria, well, everybody has a job and a mission, and they can't do the mission without everybody else. The pilot needs the mechanic. The mechanic needs the support and the supply and everything, and that's how it works. Everybody has their mission, and even though that is the case, when, like in my case, when a plane takes off hits something on a target and comes back. That's a win for everybody. So everybody's involved and everybody's got the same goal. And that goal is to get the plane over the target or have a successful return. And uh, so you're going to get your goals every day are going to be met. You're going to have, you're going to win and win and win every time that happens. So when you go to a war zone and everybody's doing their job and, and, Everybody's got each other's back. That's that's the most important thing. Everybody yes. knows what they have to do. People know. And you have to be there to make it happen. So that's why we practice constantly. We do war games in the U.S. You'd be surprised what goes on. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, small, I've heard. I've heard. But I've heard. That's, that's necessary. So when you get there, it's not new. You're not surprised. When the pilot takes off and the plane is loaded with bombs, we don't know what happens. We don't know what the targets are. They come back. They might be, you know, might have some missing, but we have no idea because it's all top secret. It's for them to know, not us. All they need is us to give them the aircraft. So as far as teamwork, you have to have a team. People have to back you up. Now we're not as tight as the army because I mean they're facing death every day and driving through towns and doing all these other crazy missions. And I've talked to a lot of army guys to do that. But we have to know what we're up against. We have to know how to fix the aircraft because those guys rely on us to help them out. To, uh, like, let's say, forward air controllers or, or whatever army units, they call for an airstrike. We got to be there. I understand what you're saying, Kevin. We, you know, so here's what happens when this happens, right? You came out of that environment. I went to Ohio University. You moved back to Ohio. Please tell people what life was like now, because no longer are you now looked at by a soldier, but you're now looked at as a black man and explain what that was like and how that has helped to expand your horizon that when you go on your show, when you do the American Allegiance radio show, that you have a better understanding of the truth of a lot of issues and seeing these things from a much different way than a lot of other people do. Yeah, that was uh, that was interesting because once I got into the civilian world, things are completely different. Uh, there's no teamwork or there's very little. I worked for an airline and I was there. I was helping troubleshoot for the mechanics and doing all, all kinds of other stuff like uh, engineering changes and everything. And I had other military guys in there, and they were saying the same thing. I had Marines and Navy and Army that were former mechanics, and they would say the same thing. There's no teamwork. 
there's no there's no push to get stuff done there there's no drive and it's that's the way it is just my opinion in the amp world the uh the civilian world of aircraft is completely different they don't have that they're it's just a job it's never just a job in the military but here it is so so those are the some of the things i went against and then the pronounced noticeability of me being black or of me being you know uh this is you and you could see things happening maybe a little discrimination here and there uh, different industries and and things are like you know how how do i overcome this i mean I, i'm just it's me i'm just kevin i'm not Please you know, tell them what Kevin is, because you like to talk, you've said many times about who Kevin is. Tell them the discrepancies or the differences, because people that have never met you, they may say, okay, he sounds rational. What's the issues? Uh, tell, <laughs> I fool them. Yeah, well, no, but, you know, see, they, see, I don't even, I'm born again, so it, the black doesn't even matter now. But, but, right. but as it would apply to how people would think you would be, how are you different what don't you do or what do you do that they don't think you would do or should do? Well, I, I think I cover some in the book like, no, I don't know that music. I don't know black music. I know very little. I know a little bit. I know some disco because that's the era. But And you're I, a great dancer, right, Kevin? No, I am not. <laughs> I have no rhythm. I, I actually like I love Barry Manilow at the time. And I mentioned that in my book because he's like one of the greatest songwriters of all time. People look at me like I, I've had people tell me you're not really black, you know, you're not one of us. You're not down with the cause. I actually had that. Uh, people have told me that. And and, you know, it makes me like, well, I can't just be me. I'm not you know, I, that's my label, right? I, that I'm black until I start talking or, or I start people know I don't have any rhythm. I play bass like a white guy I'm getting better at it, though. But, you know, there are expectations even from the black community, the way you're supposed to act and the way you're supposed to uh, talk. A talk is a big thing because once I start talking, I give myself away that I'm not really I'm not really there. But there's a lot of people like that. And it's not because they grew up in my situation, because that's the way they are. You know, some people are just geared that way and there's nothing wrong with it, the way you talk or look or but the expectations are different. Um you know, and people come up to you, they always say, hey, man, and that's not what I'm used to. Uh, but I accept it. I mean, I used to not. I thought I thought it was a problem. But now it's like, OK, why not? Let's go there. And so I'm trying to incorporate some of this in my show. It's I'm more relaxed now than I was when I wrote the book. So I try to throw things in there on the radio program to be a little more hip. You know, why not? Who cares? I, I'm enjoying myself. Hey, just be you. Along the lines of the bass thing, since you're in Ohio, I'll, I'll see if I can find Bootsy Collins. If you know Bootsy <laughs> Collins, see, Bootsy was used to hang out in Cincinnati before he hooked up with James Brown back in the day. He's one of the greatest bass players ever. We'll see if we can hook you up with Bootsy for a minute. Don't start <laughs> dressing like him. Don't, 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 no. don't. Do not go to Bootsy Collins' look. Carolyn will throw you out of the house. But I can't, uh, I, I can't even I don't even know where he'd go to get those kind of clothes. <laughs> I don't know where he gets them from anymore, but he does. Hey, look, tell people about the American Allegiance radio show. What do you shout? What is it that you the truth that you are blasting over the airwaves? What do you talk about so, on the show and how does your upbringing and everything you've been through help to uh, put you in, you know, in the know of the truth that you put in the guests you bring on? 
So here's the deal. I, I hate to say that. That's a Biden thing. But here's what I, I've learned. I was a federal employee for, for 25 years. I was in the military for 30. Uh, I worked as a screener, airport screener. So I know a lot of things about the government and the federal system. I, I'm a real, I really work for the government now as a, a contractor. And I know a lot of things and things that don't work and things that work and things are constitutional. And when you're in the military, you understand the Constitution better than most because you actually live the Constitution. And you found your life and your mm-hmm. service to the Constitution that people don't do. We had every base is like it's like an amusement park for patriotism. There's red, white and blue everywhere. The flag ceremonies are twice a day. All the formations have the national anthem. It's completely immersed uh, ecosystem of the Constitution and the flag in the United States of America. The planes have flags on them, uh, flags on uniforms. I mean, it's everywhere. And that's what you're uh, loyal to. And what I see, one of the reasons I like this program is because I exploit things that are not constitutional. That's why it's called the American Allegiance, because they're allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And a lot of the things, issues I bring up, like last night I brought up Omicron. You know, we have the right. We don't care. We don't have to do things that the government is telling if it's not constitutional. I have learned so much from my guests, and the guests I get are all patriots. Uh, last night I had on a guy, a friend of mine, Brad Geyer, who is an attorney. He's telling me that he is pushing back. He is going to go against uh, some of these anti-constitution decisions, such as such as Remdesivir, he's actually mounting a defense against that. He's going or offense. He's also uh, taking care of. Uh, he's got January six clients, and he's got some. If you if you listen to the show, he's got some landmark breaking news. What's going to happen soon? Incredible I hope so. Things are happening. Are these are these yes. people that are still in jail? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is terrible. I have and, a friend. and there's no crime. They, they, they just, it's just a That's public right. disorder. They, they haven't been charged with anything except disorderly conduct. And they're in jail a year later, more than a year and a half. This is, un, this right. is unconscionable. In the United States, we, no less. I know. But remember, D.C. is not actually in the United States. You got to remember that. Yeah. So they have different rules, just like a third world country. And I've been to those and I know how they treat people there. And this is exactly what they're doing here. The thing about this uh, this show and this uh, attorney is I have a friend there that's actually in the prison. One of them, one female there from Ohio. They came and got her in July. <laughs> she was there in January. And, you know, they're, they're attacking these people. They're coming to their houses with one time they brought a tank to somebody's house or they'll bring guns and they'll even point the, tar- uh, the guns at the wives and everything. So this is what they're being treated like. And you'd be surprised. Wait till you hear what comes out, all the video they have that they're going to release. Wait till you hear about all the uh, mm-hmm. the people in D.C., senators and congressmen. They have all their text records and their phone records as well. This is all going to come out. I know These what you mean. To- yeah. I, th- and- I was thinking of something when you said they brought a tank. Uh I, 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 I advised them not to go down to West Virginia and try and arrest James Bostick, our buddy, who's going to be on this <laughs> right. show, because I know you weren't down at Rock the Red this last year, you know, but you saw General Flynn and Mike Lindell, uh, not Mike Lindell, and Mike uh, uh, Lynn Wood and everybody shooting yes. Bostick's cannon. 
If they want to yes. come down and get Bostic, they're going to have to deal with that cannon. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. He's, he will blast somebody. That's a joke, that's, that's people. my brother. I, do not get yeah. the big boss. He's on this show. Do not get the big boss, man. Don't, don't, I'm, I'm just playing around. But this is a very, very serious matter. And, you know, Kevin, yes, most yes. people don't know that these people are still even in jail or even arrested to begin with. But that's one of the things from, from when I listen to your show that I like is you are bringing up the constitutionality of what is and isn't being done. And you don't hear this a lot of places. You know what right. I mean? The so, I, yes. The reason I do that is because I lived, you know, the the life, you know, defending the Constitution, and for too long, I, I did that for thirty years. I don't like to see things go, you know, the wrong way. I don't like to see us get away from our original documents and those and our inalienable rights, which are more important, actually, if you think about it. I mean, that's. Those are the rights that we have given by God, and, the, and our country recognizes that through the Constitution, and people don't understand. I mean, they're just take, they're taking whatever they can, and it, whenever they can. So we're giving them inches. They're going to take a mile eventually. I, I hear you. Kevin, you know, thank you for coming on as a guest. Please tell people how they can hear American Allegiance radio show, how to get your book, Growing Up White, and how to reach you. So— my book, uh, Growing Up White, An Order's Guide to Fitting In, uh, you can get that on browniefoxpublishing.com or it's available on Amazon. Look for the book. It's yellow with black and a generic Oreo on the front cover. I'm looking at it right now and I want to take this cookie and eat it right off my screen. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. It took a long time to put that together <laughs> so to, carefully and legally. So the other thing is uh, if you want to listen to American Legion's radio, the radio program, uh, the Patriot Nation Radio Network on Blog Talk Radio. I am. My show is the American Legions program, which is connected to Blog Talk Radio, Patriot Nation Radio. Or you can see my web, my Facebook page, which is uh, author Kevin L. White or author Kevin White. And I always put a link there every week. And uh, uh, that's it. I mean, I, I, uh, I enjoy it. I love it. I love doing the show. Uh, I like bringing on guests. And I've had governor candidates on there and i've learned so much it's an awesome program i bring in quality guests and, and i learn as the tradition of uh, gary benford he's taught me a lot so you you made me figure this out what and could what you, could i possibly teach you you teach me you've taught me you got to do this you got to do that i had a really big show last week by the way uh, i do a lot of uh promotions and everything and i had other countries that were listening in. And I was surprised. I, I downloaded the stats. I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is great. So the more I bring in the more qualified people, I'm going to have you on too pretty soon. I'll well, thank you. you know. Thank you. And, and you know, for the, the Patriot Nation radio network, for those who have been following my show when it was live uh, before I went to podcast form, that was the network that I was on, the Patriot Nation radio network. And uh, the people behind the Patriot Nation Radio Network, big boss man James Bostic and Mark Hoffman are also guests on this particular broadcast. So I'm glad you're doing well there, Kevin. I'm glad that you're getting the word out because every little bit helps. And that's what this show is about, about people that you may not know, but you may not have heard about, but that these are shows you need to listen to. And I really believe that the conservative media, 
the conservative media is going underground to, well, I shouldn't call it underground, but going the way of the internet because you just can't trust the mainstream media anymore, right? That's right. Well, Kevin, I really appreciate you coming on. God bless you and your wife and your family and keep up the good work and don't let them grind you down. No, sir, I'm ready to go. I'm resilient. Thank you very much. There you have it, Kevin White. The name of the book, Growing Up White, an Oreo's Guide to Fitting In. It's a truthful book, but it is very hilarious because he tells a lot of uh, very interesting anecdotal, anecdotal stories about himself and as it applies to life. It's how black people would look at him and how white people would look at him. And he just throws his hands up in the air because he can't please anybody. So just please yourself because you have to be who you are. The big boss man, James Bostick, was responsible for putting this thought in my head to do my own radio show. But my final guest of the evening, if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be listening to me now. Mark Hoffman, who owns the Patriot Nation Radio Network, the network that James Bostick with a conservative perspective, and now Kevin White with the American Allegiance is uh, on that network. Uh, he gave me a place to land. And uh, a year and a half ago, uh, I started on his network two hours every other Monday night. That was my United Patriots Uprising live show. Never forget the first show. We we hit the ground running. My guests were uh, Burgess Owens when he was still doing uh, Fox News and a lot of networks. He, he, he had not uh, become a congressman yet. Uh, the former actress from Dallas, Morgan Brittany, was on there. My first guest was Nick Searcy, you know, who was on the uh, TV show Justified. And my final guest for that night was Curtis Bowers uh, from the Agenda movie documentaries. And we hit the ground running. And I really am very, very thankful to Mark for giving me an opportunity to come on every other Monday and do my craft and uh, learn and just do the best I could to bring as many high profile guests onto the show. And we had quite a run for a year. And Mark has his own show that we will talk about, Patriot Nation Radio Live. I bring to the show, Mr. Mark Hoffman. How are you, Mark? I'm good, Gary. Thank you. I'm honored to be on your show and uh, proud to be affiliated. And same here with you, because I used to watch your show and you do your show on video and audio so people can see you and hear you, their choice, or they can do both. So please tell people how you got involved. Well, what got me into radio in the first place was um, Barack Obama got elected for a second term, and I couldn't believe it. And I'm like, well, I, I got to do something. There's, there's got to be something I can do. I, I don't have money. I don't have time. And so I was talking to a friend of mine who was in public broadcasting up in Ohio. And she says, uh, well, I can get you hooked up. I can get you started. And she produced my first three shows of the Patriot Nation radio show back in 2013. And, and the first show was July 10th, 2013. And she produced my first three shows. And after the third show, she said, all right, it's all you. And the rest is history. And here we are on United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. Well, tell us how you got from those three shows to 
where you ended up, where you've had a, a lot of illustrious guests on your show. I know Sebastian Gorka was on, and you can give some of the names of the people that have come on your show. But uh, you really built this up. And, and, and one of the things that's so important to me is tell people just get started because you never know where it's going to end up. When I started, when Raquel Okaye, who we both know, gave me a shot to do 15 minutes of commentary every Friday night on Rocky and the Wolfman, I would never have expected to this point within a year and a half, I've had over 100 high profile guests on my show. I never envisioned even having my own show. So from where you started, how did it morph into what it is? And are you surprised that it did? Uh, well, it was something that I wanted to do. I, I wanted to make make sure that it reached a broad audience and and was giving the truth because I was tired of all the lies that the media was spinning all the time. So what I tried, what I was doing actually as I was driving home in the afternoon listening to Sean Hannity and he would have guests on and I would go on to the internet and I would search those guests on, and then I would get them on my show. And one by one, they like, and I was astonished. Like these guys, I would just go to their website, go to the contact section and contact them. And they, and they come on my show, Larry Gatlin, you know, I had, uh, Alan West, you know, I, I had, um, Taya Kyle, um, American Sniper's mm -hmm. wife, right on the show. Um, I had Sheriff Joe Arpaio on the show. I mean, I mean, and, and it was just they would come on Hannity, and I would go, well, let me try. And I had a lot of the um, um, the families of those who lost somebody to illegal alien violence. That was one of the big things that really got my show kicked off because it was really hot topic, and I was having the the moms were going on Hannity, and then they were coming on my show. And the show really took off from there because people were really interested on in what was happening on the border at that time. It was like in, uh, unbelievable. Uh, people were dying, they're bringing in drugs, trafficking humans. And it was just an unbelievable situation. And I had people of all walks of life that were down there um, in Arizona, Arizona border guard, um, uh, Camp Lone Star, people from Camp Lone Star, Texas, out on Rusty Monsees' um, property that were helping the border patrol. Um, round up illegal aliens that are coming across in, in the middle of the night and all things like that. And one after another, and the show really, really took off. And um, uh, World Integrity News Network um, was looking for somebody, Bobby Biesinger, and he's still out there. You can find him at the World Integrity News Network. And um, they needed a show. And they put me and James together on, on Friday night. And that's where um, the one-two punch on uh, came with uh, Patriot Nation Radio and and his amazing show. Um, and we've been going ever since and we do Thursday nights and Thursday nights will continue in the new year. Just, I'm taking a break right now because I just got no time and no energy for radio, but I'm going to kick it off back in January. It'll be rocking and rolling. I hear you. It'll definitely be rocking and rolling. And you have loyal fans that listen. Everybody has their ax to grind. And yes, you know, mine is Marxism, communism, socialism. Uh, that's the staple that I really hammer home and try and hammer home in some way, shape or form every week to try and let people know we're in the midst of an attempted coup. Uh, what is your big staple? What is the thing that motivates you the most uh, that you really like to talk about? I like to talk about the truth. I like people to be informed because the media is just lying and spinning everything all the time. And I really just want people to hear truth 
that is researched, that is substantiated, and that is real. So that's why I try to bring the people that are in the stories. Like, uh, I don't know if you remember, um, um, Border Patrol agent Brian Terry was killed mm-hmm. uh, by guns from Operation Fast and Furious. I had his brother on, you know, because they were spinning lies in the news about what he was doing. And so I had his family members come on my show and tell the truth. And it was really, that was hitting home for people. They liked it. And so that's what I want to do. That's what I want to continue to do. And that's what I will continue to do in the new year. If you all tune in, it'll be great. We'll have fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Mark, that you brought you brought up a very good point. Tune in, tune in, tune in, tune in. Everybody that's come on this show would say the same thing. Tune in, tune in, tune in. And the reason being that the new media is starting to grow and take hold. And you're part of it. I'm part of it. James, everybody that's on the show, Jerry Serino, Joe Mobley, Kevin, everybody is a part of this new media, Kathy Hatch, meaning that people can't get news from the mainstream media anymore. Even you can't trust Fox News anymore. So it's, do you feel and feel this groundswell and this rising up of this new alternative media on the internet, people like you, people like me, people like everybody on this show that has their own show. Because General Flynn, when he came on recently, this last time, about a month and a half ago, said you guys are going to be the water carriers because there's shows like this propping up all over America. And everybody may not have big, big, big followings, but you've got faithful followings and everybody's got their, the people that they listen to and that this is where they're going to start getting their news from. Do you sense this? Yes, I've I've sensed that for a while. And it was really cool because I felt like I was on the cutting edge at one point. Um, Just shows like uh, Alex Jones was really blowing up Mm -hmm. and um, a couple other shows were really taking off. And I was right on, right on the heels of those guys. And I was, you know, doing a lot of shows in line, not necessarily the extreme, like conspiracy shows like, Oh, look, here we are in the woods with Jesse Ventura and we got a FEMA camp over here, you know, <laughs> <laughs> nothing like that. You know, like legitimate stories, like, um, you know, we fought hard for the second amendment. Uh, we did a lot. We did second amendment rallies. Um, we wrote, letters and emails and made phone calls we had we had all kinds of campaigns that we promoted people came on and and uh i always would broadcast the the dc uh switchboard hotline and say you know we got the they're coming for the guns call them up and i believe the efforts that we put forth back in 2014 15 you know under obama administration really made a difference um there was some nights where we were reaching thousands of people um, I had up to 13,000 views, 14, 15,000 views on some of my live feeds on Facebook during those times. So I believe we, we were making a difference in influencing people to call their senators and write emails and send letters and things like that. I actually have, have a, um, a, a group page on Facebook, Amnesty Response Plan, which started out, you know, if you don't have money, you, don't, you can make letters, you can make phone calls. There's things you can do if you're at home and you, you are stuck at home and can't leave because of a handicap issue or some, something you can make, you know, we gave people options of how they could get involved. So I think we really made a difference on many different fronts doing different things. You have, and Mark, you brought up something that's very important. Uh, I hate to have to get into this, but we have to get into it because it's a reality. All of us at some point in time were doing pretty well 
with the numbers and reaching a lot of people. And then all of a sudden, yeah. boop, it's gone. Uh, the shadow banning, the blocking, I don't know what the heck they do, but they've been doing it and continue to do it. We addressed that because I know you had such big numbers at one point, Raquel Okaye, she had big numbers for some, you know, you know, a lot of some of my numbers of what it used to be uh, in, in certain respects. And then all of a sudden, boop, well, they, it started, I believe, was 2018 in October. Facebook and all these um, social media websites did a gigantic conservative purge where they got rid of 880-plus pages in one swoop. Boom. Gone. Everybody. And it was from that point on that everybody's numbers started suffering. Cause, um, you know, and that, was, that included groups like... Uh, opera, um, Overpasses for America, which was a huge, huge thing. We we were making gigantic strides together with the Overpasses for America group, um, and they canceled all of their pages, and they had thousands and thousands and thousands of people on their, you know, in their organization that instantly poof gone, and um, and that's what I believe it was the start, and of course the the, the things that are coming out against Facebook now that their fact checkers are really just opinionated people sitting in a room and they're not fact checking any facts. They're using their own opinions. And, uh, you know, I think there's going to be some trouble maybe for Facebook over that. As far as lawsuits go, people who lost thousands and thousands of photos and all kinds of content when they did this amazing, unbelievable purge back in October of 2018. <laughs> Yeah, and and it looks like everybody's show and uh, Facebook pages and sites uh, uh, have been uh, affected. And uh, but this is this is part of the war. So uh, the battle wages on. So as you go into and rev this back up in January, do you know what some of your focuses are going to be as we move into uh, an election season? I'm thinking uh, God, family, and country. I think I might do like maybe once a month a show um, on Jesus and uh, one month, one show a month on politics, one show a month, you know, not just key on one thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be doing that. I like to maybe branch out on topics and content, not just be, you know, Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Democrats, 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 Trump, Trump, Trump. You know, we're beating a dead horse, it feels like sometimes. So I, I was trying to do that this year and it didn't work out, but I'm going to try to get that going in the new year, you know, and try to mix it up because people want to hear different stuff. They don't only want to just hear about Joe Biden, President Trump and politics all the time. That's that's the vibe I've been getting. People are like, I I guess you'd say burnt out from politics. It's been a long, um, unbelievable battle all through four years of President Trump, eight years of Barack Obama, and we've just all been taking it on the chin and we're exhausted. Not to become complacent. I hope folks don't become complacent as, you know, relaxing and kind of taking their eye off the ball. Pay attention a little bit, but I don't think politics is the is going to be the uh, topic folks want to hear in the coming year. Maybe when it gets closer to the election. Well, you know, we, we got to figure out this election fraud. That's the first thing. And along those lines, yeah. what are you hearing in your state? Because your state, the state of Florida, is one of the few states with Ron DeSantis as governor that are getting a lot of things right. What's the feel in Florida, which used to be kind of a little bit wishy-washy in certain areas, but it seems to be turning into more of a red state? Well, um, we've had some great patriots come down to Florida, like Scott Pressler, 
and turned Florida red for the first time in the history of the, of the state, uh, which is really good news. The Democratic National Committee, I don't even think they're going to fund a candidate. They're not going to like really back any particular candidate 100%. And Governor DeSantis is going to win in a landslide, whoever they put up against him. Um, I think that our state is moving in the right direction. It is the state of freedom, um, no masks no mandates, they fight in the mandates and he's standing up for the people of the state that, you know, and doing what he said. And I believe Governor DeSantis will be an awesome, viable candidate for 2028 because we don't want him to leave now. We want him to stay in. Right, uh, right. You need him. For us, you know, so we're, we're hoping that he doesn't plan to run in 2024, which I don't think he is. Um, if Trump decides not to run, then I would say DeSantis should run because that'll be the only candidate I, that I could see that Republican Party can put forward that people will back like they back Trump. You're an original New Yorker up here from my neck of the woods, Long Island. Uh, Let's tell the people a little bit about your background. Have you always been a conservative or did you start out like I did as a Democrat and have to be red pilled? I always had leanings towards freedom and liberty, but being from that neck of the woods and being surrounded by liberal minded people, I think it's impossible not to have some liberal tendencies. But as I grew older, as I, as I grew older and, and my eyes were opened more and, and I got to see things more with, you know, clarity and wisdom, um, I totally started getting away from anything liberal. I think the only thing liberal that I can agree on right now is probably the legalization of marijuana because I, I see people in my life that it helps. And it needs to be legalized so people can have the medicinal um, things. And that's that's like the most liberal thing on my on my mind. Other than that, I pretty lean, pretty much lean right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so it. it's always been that way. So what's it like for uh, New Yorkers down there? Are most New Yorkers in Florida like you or do you have a mix? Because a lot of New Yorkers that moved down to Florida were liberal. Yes, there's a good there's a, a mix. Um, but most of the ones that I encounter here most of the new yorkers they seem to be on the conservative side and they're running away from the madness that is new york the liberals are staying there because they're getting free stuff they come to florida they ain't getting free stuff so they're staying up there they're not really the liberals aren't really coming um and it's evident now by the flip from blue to red for the first time so uh, i believe the right folks are leaving the folks with um drive and ambition they want to work they want to have their own stuff they want to be free People who love freedom and don't want handouts, they're the ones that are coming, and I'm thankful. <laughs> well, this is this is great. Mark, thanks for coming on. Please tell people how to reach you and how to get your show, anything you want to promote uh, about what you do. Well, if you go to Google or Facebook or anywhere and just search the Patriot Nation Radio Network or the Patriot Nation Radio Show, I've been on so long that I, you'll get hits there. You can tune in Thursday night starting, um, I'm not sure the date, the first, probably the first Thursday of January, I believe it's, let's see, the fourth, maybe the 6th of January might be the date, 6th or 7th, 8 p.m. right after a conservative's perspective with our good friend James Bostick. That's 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Patriot Nation. And you go there, you'll see uh, over a thousand shows. Of course, you will hear uh, approximately uh, 26, I guess, 20, 28 shows of uh, Amer- um, Patriots Uprising with Gary Binford right there. United Patriots Uprising with Gary Binford right on 
the archives there. There's over a thousand shows. You go all the way back to 2013. That's uh, the Patriot Nation radio show, Thursdays, 8 p.m., blogtalkradio.com forward slash Patriot Nation. Mark, you know, keep on doing what you're doing. Don't let them grind you down. Waiting for you to come back with a fury in January at the beginning of the year. And thank you for giving me an opportunity on your network to see if I could do this because I had no idea. Bostic is telling me I could do it. You're saying I could do it, but I didn't know. I had never thought about trying to have my own show. So uh, it's worked out. I enjoy what I'm doing, and I thank you very much. God bless you, Bianca, and the family. And again, keep doing what you're doing. Great patriot. You too, sir. God bless and uh, keep up the good fight, man. You got to you know, stay the course, finish the fight, and never surrender. Right. Well, you know what it's like up here because it is a fight up here because it's a dog fight because they're not getting it. You know, some people right. on the island are, but up in this, this is this is like California East. So it's a mess. So just got to keep fighting. Got to keep fighting. Once again, Mr. Mark Hoffman, host of Patriot Nation Radio Live on the Patriot Nation Radio Network. Please check him out. And thank you very much, Mark. You, You too. Thanks a lot, Gary. I'm honored. Have a good night and God bless America. I want to thank my guests, James Bostic, Joe Mobley, Jerry Serino, Kathy Hatch, Kevin White, and Mark Hoffman for doing on this podcast what they do on their own shows, dole out mega doses of truth. I hope you enjoyed listening in. This podcast is available for download at radioinfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. The next podcast, which downloads on Tuesday, January 4th, 2022 is entitled Left It, the Democratic Party. Representatives from organizations that are hunkered down in the trenches, impactfully leading people off the Democratic Marxist plantation, will enlighten and encourage you in Blexit National Director Pierre Wilson, Jexit founder Michelle Terrace and Representatives Marie Fisher and Sophia Manalesco, and Lexit founder Jesse Holgren. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, wishing you a blessed and Merry Christmas. And God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America.